Hey, I know y'all are looking forward to uh, Jonathan Emord updates today from the campaign trail. Uh, he's at a very big meeting. Uh, I don't know if it's in D.C. or where elsewhere, but we'll find out about that coming up on the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And then in hour two, uh, we've got former ESPN reporter Allison Williams. You remember her. We talked about her on the air a number of times because she stood her ground against ESPN slash Disney when they said, you have to get the jab. And she said, oh, no, I don't violates my beliefs, religious and otherwise. I'm not getting it. And they fired her. And there's a lawsuit still going on about that. But uh, we appreciate her and anybody that stands uh, to do what is right, even when it's inconvenient, at the risk of losing your job, et cetera. But we wish you didn't have to, but this is what where we're at. So we'll talk to her about what's going on and more. And you guys and gals in the chat room, join us right now, robertscabell.com slash listen. And we'll get this healing party started with Jonathan Emord in just a moment. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, there's. A, Every week now at this time when we do the Sacred Fire of Liberty, it, it, it's extra excitement just hearing about what's happening on uh, the trail, you know, the path back to liberty. You know, we talk, talk about the Sacred Fire of Liberty at this time of the week, uh, every week with Jonathan E. Morton. Since he declared for the United States Senate in Virginia, it's just been another layer of adventure and how exciting it is to people hear about the stories about people resonating with this message, uh, finally being tired enough to maybe yeah, get out off their tushies and support freedom again. Defense of individual liberty, limited government based on a constitution that was written not to constrain the people, but to constrain the government or the people within government should they decide to become tyrannical. And we see enough of that already. So I'm encouraged every week to hear from Jonathan Emord. He's joining us on the phone right now at, uh, I don't know, National Conference Policy Policy Conference. You have to tell us what it is, Jonathan, and I'm glad to have you here. And thanks for sneaking out of the meeting to be on the show today. Yes, sir. So I'm at the Council on National Policy uh, in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, today and tomorrow. I'm a guest of Stu Epperson, who's the owner of uh, Salem Media. And we're really, it's quite an extraordinary program they're having here. I just uh, finished listening to uh, Frank Gaffney talk about the threat posed by the communist Chinese uh, but earlier in the day, I also listened to, which was a great talk from Frank as usual, but earlier in the day, I had the uh, pleasure of listening to Naomi Wolf. Mm. Uh, and I, you probably know who she is, Robert. Yes. She, uh, yeah, so she was explaining uh, the uh, adverse event information that Pfizer tried to keep from the American people for 75 years uh, with the aid of the Food and Drug Administration and how that didn't fly with the court. And from the information that she's gone through in detail, all of the horrors that uh, uh, stem from the vaccine. And uh, it was quite informative and it was rather scary. They also had a another uh, presentation by a person who was talking about the horrors of transitioning and they have a new movie they presented during that presentation, uh, which shows just how just how unbelievably horrific uh, the consequences are for uh, kids who are put through this awful mutilation uh, that, you know, it's just barbaric child abuse, but 
this documentary that she had uh, really does uh, reveal the details of it in a way that, uh, you know, everybody really needs to, as, a, as an adult, needs to see that movie because I can't imagine any parent would would uh, go along with this after seeing what happens to children who undergo these uh, hormonal and puberty blockers and the, and the transition surgeries. I can't imagine that anyone in their right mind would allow that to happen to a child. And Jonathan, we've talked about, you know, the, the message resonating across the divide, the, you know, the party line divide, because obviously Naomi is a, a longtime liberal Democrat supporting uh, woman, very intelligent PhD level doctor. And, uh, and I've had her on the show and, you know, intellectual integrity. It's all we ask for. It's not a lot. Right. And she has brought it and right. showing that that divide in many ways is artificial that we do indeed have more in common and that alignment goes beyond the label of Republican and Democrat. Uh, and I'm encouraged again to see folks going, okay, now this has gone way too far. This is just not even in any realm of, uh, you know, any kind of political, much less uh, American reality that we want to embrace or endorse. So I'm encouraged again, hearing that from you as well, that we are seeing a lot of people coming together. I don't know if we'd describe it well, as center middle, but again, what's your experience there? Well, um, in addition, Dr. Robert Malone is here. And, uh, you know, he's a lifelong Democrat and he endorsed me, my candidacy as a Republican. So, yeah, you're seeing this movement of people crossing over because the loony far radical left has gone so far that it's beyond any reasonable human being. And to see the government uh, go along with it and actually embrace it and protect the far left agenda is uh you know, is something that is offending most Democrats. Uh, the typical Democrat who was born a Democrat and wants to vote forever as a Democrat because they were born a Democrat is learning that the Democrat Party today ain't what it used to be, and that indeed um, it has abandoned uh, the defense of such things as the First Amendment. It used to be a hallmark of civil libertarianism that went across uh, lines from conservative to liberal that if you were an intellectual who understood the, 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 the necessity of allowing open debate to have freedom and progress, you would defend someone's opinion if it disagreed with you. But, well, now we have these people on the far left who are really Marxists who think that uh, any communication with which they disagree needs to be doxxed or censored or uh, somehow driven out of the marketplace by wild protests and so on. Well, this is all, I think, uh, now coming home to roost. <clears throat> and as I go across Virginia, I'm increasingly seeing evidence of this migration. So I was at an event um, in Northern Virginia about a week ago, and it was on education. Uh, several teachers were standing up saying how horrible the Fairfax County public school system has become in light of the equity agenda, which is destroying meritocracy in the schools, believe it or not, and um, among other things. And one of the people in the audience uh, identified herself as a Democrat and said that I've been a lifelong Democrat, but I can't uh, tolerate what they're doing to my kids in the school. So for this, she said for the first time, I am going to vote Republican. And then there was another person in the same group who is an independent, identified themselves as an independent, who said that 
this was the deciding factor for them, and they were going to vote Republican. So I think what's happening is that, at least in my case, because I've been such a strident uh, opponent and an advocate of free choice, uh, that uh, people have started to cleave to that position who are, you know, Morton alone, um, intelligent, but who appreciate well in hearing that Democrat position of defending the vaccine at all costs mm-hmm. is insane, given the history, given the evidence, given what we know it, the vaccine is doing to people. But boy, oh boy, uh, as you know from having had Naomi Wolf on your show, yeah, um, she she presents a stark picture of reality that uh, people who have been vaccinated or who are thinking about being vaccinated really need to hear about it Mm -hmm. because if you're wondering why you're having medical problems after you were vaccinated or what whether or not you should risk your child's life to be vaccinated Mm -hmm. um start to start to look into it she has something like 380 different physicians who are um a part of a group that she has that that uh you know verify the uh the harms associated with the vaccine it's astonishing jonathan i've i've you know heard so many stories some of whom from people i know directly some indirectly i, I got yeah. a text from a friend of mine just this morning uh you know, about a woman friend of, of 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 his who is a mom and she was very aware of the dangers of this covid injection and said you know i'm opposed to it i'm not getting it but her, one of her sons or her son did and boot got boosted, triple boosted, and now has cancer out of the blue. Like, this oh year. dear, I you know it's like looking. What can I do? And it you know, as a parent, you're like it's devastating um, to uh, to realize that many of these kids, you know, they become old enough. They're adults, of course, but they're still your kids, and they make decisions often based on you know the pressures that were brought to bear. That if you want this job or if you want this to be in school, if you want to play this sport in school, you have to get the jab, and it's so violative of um free agency of a free will you know this deception of like yeah you're free to do what you want to do as long as you do this it's like this is so so violative of the basic principles of of freedom much less of fully informed consent and I'm, I'm just struggling with how even though i know because we cover this all of the time how a significant portion of the electorate still hasn't woken up to this harsh reality of you know, a, a medical tyranny that rained down us through this emergency that violated every every feature of the Constitution that would prevent it from happening. Well, well put. And I think that we are seeing people awaken, awakening to this. We only have something like 5% of the populations being boosted now. And that's in no small measure because people have realized that they were sold a pack of lies at the start of this and throughout by the government, by the CDC, by Fauci, uh, and they are sick of it. You know, they've come to the realization that they cannot trust, quote unquote, public health authorities as you, and I know that's uh, an oxymoron of sorts. There's no such thing as public health. And um, the reality has become that uh, the, 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 those who call themselves advocates of public health are ab- advocates of dis- disease and destruction in so many instances and this is one very strong instance where they 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 were way ahead of their skis when they went for the whole mrna 
mRNA vaccine, mm-hmm. and uh, they they understood in the in the case of Pfizer, the all all the adverse event report information coming in uh, very clearly indicated to them that this was not safe and would actually cause severe adverse effects in the general population. And they proceeded with it anyway, and they gave it the moniker of safe and effective. And now people are realizing. I mean, everybody just about in the United States who has uh, a association with with other people realizes that uh, the number of instances of victimhood from this vaccine are immense Mm -hmm. and underreported because I can't tell you the number of people that I've interacted with who've explained to me adverse effects to themselves or to their children or to their friends. So, I mean, it's not like it's uh, a hidden situation. It's all over the place. Well, let's look at Biden's pick for the top NIH post right now. Um, President Biden announced this week cancer specialist Dr. Monica Bertagnoli for director of NIH, a move that has allegedly generated controversy because of her financial ties to Pfizer and other pharmaceutical companies. So it's absolutely business as usual. And all of the failures of what we call public health and or the scientific intelligentsia and the institutions like NIH and NIAID have been captured so that any genuine research into prevention and support of immunity, right? In the last three years, they say, oh, there's no such thing as natural immunity. I mean, absurd claims. Yet these people have degrees. They have medical degrees, scientific PhD degrees. How could they be so wrong unless they're paid very well to be that wrong? You know, at a certain point, you got to ask. The well, question. it's. You know, anyone who is uh, put in the position of being the the director of the Food and Drug Administration, you know, the commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration or the head of CDC runs a gauntlet on Capitol Hill uh, that's very protective of the pharmaceutical industry. And you end up with these people who are uh, extraordinary in that they seem to lack any human sensitivity about what the harms uh, that are caused by drugs and, and vaccines of various kinds, and that um, they're impervious to uh, rationality when it comes to understanding the relative level of risk. That's why we have layer upon layer at the FDA of uh, protection against um, serious action being taken whenever a medical reviewer discovers that a drug under review is is too dangerous to reach and to be ostracized, censored, or uh, their p- opinions are destroyed. And that has happened historically. And the whistleblowers from FDA have explained this over and over again. And it's that same kind of environment that we know exists at NIAID under Fauci, where if you didn't follow Fauci's line, if you dissented from his opinion, you were ostracized, punished. Uh, your publications were, you were disallowed publication. If you're on the outside, he would attack you. He'd have uh, people staged to go after your reputation and to make it very difficult for you. So these are people who operate with totalitarian uh, principles in mind, not principles of liberty. And as a result, they are a great threat to our liberties. They would rather have control over us and exercise government positions of control uh, than to defend our rights. They're not interested in that. That doesn't get them a future with Pfizer. It doesn't get them a future uh, outside of the government in the pharmaceutical industry writ large. So that's the real problem that you face. When you take someone who having here that they want to give this position to, 
she has a long history of high-level employment in Pfizer. You, you and do you think you know, for a minute she's received from Pfizer? Listen to this. She had received from in a six-year period 116 grants from Pfizer totaling 290 million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was that. And and you have to understand, you have to understand now that when you receive that kind of money and you've had that kind of relationship, high-level relationship with a company and a company that is uh, capable of giving you that same kind of re reimbursement and payment in the future, um, it colors your perspective, uh, of course. And to think there's no conflict of interest there is absurd. Mm -hmm. There is. And to think that a person like that would take an action that would harm Pfizer's interests, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it meant that the public is at risk, like in the case of the vaccine, uh, you, 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 you really will see that in virtually every instance that never happens. And the reason is that they know where their, their bread is buttered, right? Yeah. And, and that's tragic. You would like to think that people who have medical backgrounds and so forth are not uh, jaded in this way. But the reality is that corruption uh, is systemic in the government and uh, founding fathers, you know, explained to us that when you grow government, you get more corruption. Mm -hmm. And they explained to us that was the necessity for limited government, that government could only uh, be good government in their words, uh, if it were limited, uh, you know, Je Jefferson's statement that a wise and frugal government shall restrain men from injuring one another, shall leave them otherwise free to regulate their pursuits of industry and improvement, mm -hmm. and shall not take from the mouth of labor the bread it is earned. He, he contemplated small government, conscious as they all were, that government is inherently a threat uh, to liberty and it's inherently corrupt. And it is the nature of power to, uh, when wielded by government, which is a monopoly of force, uh, to be wheeled in, in a way that is to the advantage of the governor and to the disadvantage of those governed. Yeah, the money is so sold. limiting power. Yeah, is a, is a necessity, and what we have with the FDA is really a bureaucratic oligarchy operating independent, effectively, of Congress day to day, and is virtually unaccountable to the courts, the Congress, the American people. Yet it is responsible for. Uh, the approval of every of, of every drug, of every food, of every dietary supplement uh, in the market. Sure, you can market a dietary supplement without advanced FDA approval, but as we've seen, the FDA has has removed from the market whole classes of dietary substances. Yeah, uh, if they get in the way of the drug industry, even under the Act, if if it was initially the mm -hmm. subject of investing drug, even if it's a natural compound it is uh, deemed to be unavailable for sale as a dietary supplement. Yeah, it's seemingly unlimited power to determine what could be and is not in the marketplace, specifically for uh, health and healing and all the things that are important to us here. And most people now are realizing they're very critically important. Yesterday opened with a story. Uh, it was in the British Medical Journal, an opinion statement. But it says the decline of science at the FDA has become unmanageable. And, you know, I had to laugh. I was like, when is the decline of science ever manageable? I guess maybe if one scientist goes <laughs> off the resurrection, I mean, un unmanaged, they're just saying now there's no way to access what we would call good scientific uh, practices to determine safety and efficacy on anything. And of course, there's still the blanket refusal to allow anything of a natural 
uh, uh, origin that it's not synthesized and patented, for instance, to hit the marketplace. Well, you know, people, as, as anybody who practices before the Food and Drug Administration knows, science is not uh, science is not the determinative factor. It really is politics. Politics decides the actions. In other words, political appointees who, are the, who dominate the agency are the ones making these scientific determinations. And so it is that you can have something like the, you know, unsafe Pfizer vaccine fly through the FDA or the abortion drug, for example. The abortion drugs just recently, again, proved by FDA, despite all the complications and medical uh, injuries caused by those who are using those drugs for abortion, they are really unsafe. And many medical reviewers at the agency have concluded that. Uh, yet it's politically incorrect in this environment for science to prevail, right? Because they 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 view this as the Democrat Party does, mm-hmm. as their as their way around the uh, remove the uh, reversal of Roe v. Wade. Yes. So you end up with this whole political movement deciding what is going to get into the market, regardless of the injuries caused. I mean, I'm not talking about the horrific injuries caused to the fetus. Uh, which are bad enough, but I'm talking about the bleeding, the complications, medical complications that come to the the uh, mother as a result of the use of these drugs, and it's not atypical that these things happen. So it's not taken seriously, and so whereas in in another instance, far less evidence of injury would prevent a drug from being approved. In this instance, because politics reigns, they just ignore the adverse events and prove it. Same thing with electroconvulsive therapy. Oh. You get this horrific ECT, which is the equivalent of a, of a lobotomy being performed on people, where it obliterates their memory and, and oftentimes causes uh, heart arrhythmias and other uh, incontinence and other adverse effects to people. Uh, and they're taking people, highly vulnerable people who have uh, mental illness, and they're administering this, which is 400 and some odd volts of electricity into the lobes of their brain for a certain period of time, rendering them, uh, forcing them into grand mal seizures, which is the sign that it's working, quote unquote. Uh, and then what they, they come out of it with uh, behavior like a vegetable. They come out of it with no memory, with a little understanding of what had happened, and that's considered a cure because they're no longer externally obnoxious to other people. They're no longer crying uncontrollably or in a state of suffering that's visible to other people. And then what happens? Well, when they finally come back to their senses, realize a little bit about who they are, they tend to go back into the same depressive effects. Mm-hmm. And then they get, they get thrown into this all over again. So it's an endless cycle of ruination. Some yeah. people lose, a good number of people who go through this lose uh, memory permanently. Mm-hmm. They, some of these people are coming out of this, patients who've approached us and who are part of the litigation that we now have ongoing against the FDA for allowing greater access to ECT. Mm-hmm. We're suing them over that. But what the, what these, these people who are, who are patients in our litigation, uh, many of them have completely lost their memory of their childhood, their memory of how to play a musical instrument their memory of how to perform uh, their, their whole education uh, mm-hmm. background in areas that were professionals, like engineering, whatever, completely obliterated. They don't know how to do it. 
they don't even recognize their own kids sometimes. Some of the people that we represent had had no idea that they had children after this. And they and they were shocked to see their own children and their spouses. Yeah, and still have no recollection of being a mother or raising a child. This is yeah. dehumanizing, right? This is totally destructive. This isn't a cure. FDA approved torture. And the FDA yeah. approves it. Yeah. It's a stunning, uh, you know, aspect of, you know, the drugging that we talk about, the third leading cause of death, FDA approved drugs, but uh, going into electrotherapy like that, and it's approved. I mean, again, these are torture devices. I, uh, I got to ask you this question, uh, you know, when you get into the United States Senate, because I still perceive and believe you will win, you will beat Tim Kaine. I mean, I don't know how he's going to figure out other than having Soros money to counteract anything that you're saying other than to pretend he's something that he isn't, but you've said he's a chameleon as well. Will he succeed? I don't think so. Uh, but the deference, we talked about judicial deference to the oligarchy, to the FDA, et cetera. But what about congressional deference, right? The idea that, you know, someone goes into Congress or becomes a U.S. Senator and they defer to the NIH or the people of it or the FDA and the people of it because they feel they still sense that or think that those people actually know something that they don't or don't they couldn't know or don't have access to like they have special powers or they are just fawning over the fact that there are people with md degrees and, and phd degrees and i'm thinking we've got to use critical thinking skills yes it's it's a uh, it's a standard that we can measure if somebody is an md we know some of what they know or what they're supposed to know and phd is what they're capable of doing but it's an abject disaster when we blindly rely because they're part of the FDA or they have one of those degrees that that's enough. And I think that you can bring some of that knowledge base and that comfort and confidence of saying, you know what, we can't just rely on that. We have to go deeper than the degrees and, and the agencies that they're in. Yeah, I think that uh, this abdicate, abdication of, mm -hmm. of your responsibility under Article One, Section One, to create the law for the legislators uh, and you know, senators and congressmen to create the law—that's their—that's their obligation under the under the Constitution. They're to be the source of the law. No other source is to exist. Here you have all this law being made by the bureaucratic agencies. When it comes to these agencies, they always say that they're experts in something. Oh, really? Uh, the reality is that they're, they, they possess no unique expertise at all. And in fact, they're run by politicians inside, you know, political appointees who run the agencies, and they're making decisions that are driven more by politics than by anything else. And, the, and they're fulfilling political missions, and they're downgrading science that is against their opinions and upgrading science that is in favor of their opinions. And they oftentimes hang their hat on one piece of science that is suggestive that their approach is good and condemning a whole bunch of science that is adverse to them. And this is the way it's always been with the FDA. They cherry pick science all the time to serve a political end. And the reality is that, that this isn't rocket science. This isn't a situation where uh, a person of intelligence cannot comprehend the adverse events or the uh, nature of, of a drug and its therapy. And it's the obligation of congressmen to get into this business. But more importantly, it's the obligation of the nation under the Constitution to get rid of the administrative state. Yeah. It has been an unconstitutional institution from its very start. And having the administrative state has denied us our rights. Uh, it's, some, it's been a bane on us since the origins of it in the progressive era in the 1880s coming to the uh, federal government. And what we need to do and instead is, is expect our elected representatives 
to make the fundamental decisions about what laws should be passed and to make and, and that's the only way we can hold them to account mm-hmm. make them responsive to us because Johnson. you don't vote for a, a head of a bureaucratic agency you don't get to vote for them you don't get to, to vote against them they're there forever and the agencies just go along with their own agenda and they're making three quarters of all federal law not those that we elect so this has got to come to an end if we're going to bring back the republic jonathan i remember the congressional accountability and responsibility act Uh, i think this was a ron paul uh legislation that you helped to write if i'm if i remember my memory is faulty let me know but uh, i want to know if there's some ideas that you have about bringing that back in and how that would apply to things like fda ftc things that have basically limited the, the freedom in the marketplace to do innovation, to have wonderful things that might, yes, indeed, compete with the pharmaceutical industrial complex and their products. Uh, is is this something, and I think you've mentioned it before, but maybe uh, you can relay, relay it again to the audience and let me know as you're on the circuit speaking about this, what reception you're getting to some uh, such a proposal, which I think hasn't been considered or conceived of since Ron Paul was a, a congressman. Right. So um, many, many, many years ago, uh, Norm Singleton uh, and I were working on various pieces of legislation. Among them, uh, we worked on a piece of legislation called the Access to Medical Treatment Act that ultimately morphed into what became the Right to Try Act that uh, President Trump signed into law. But the origins of that Right to Try Act were, in fact, what I wrote with Norm the Access to Medical Treatment Act, this other law that you're talking about. Years after that, Norm, and I, I contacted Norm myself, and I said, look, Norm, I, I have a solution to the separation of powers problem, and I think it can be, you know, it's something that we could actually get through Congress if we get the right composition in Congress, <laughs> the right members, mm-hmm. but it needs to be put in the hopper, and would Ron Paul do it? And he said, well, what is it? And I said, look, why not just make every regulation that an agency adopts n- not have the force of law, but instead merely be a proposal to Congress? Mm. And only if Congress adopted it, would it become a regulation that had the force of law and could be enforced? Otherwise, it's just a proposal. And uh, he said, you know, that's, that's, that's excellent. He said it was genius. And then I said, well, let, let me draft that. And also, will sunset existing laws? So existing regulations, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. within three years of, of the passage of the act, any regulation not adopted by Congress would disappear, would have no legal force or effect. Yeah, love and that. so this whole thing we put into the hopper and uh, Ron Paul, uh, uh, Ron Paul, Congress put it in the hopper and never came out of committee, but every, every term he would put that in and try to get it passed. Now I think we can pass it under the current circumstances. People are realizing with the whole situation with COVID, just how awful the administrative state is, Mm. how the FDA did suppress information for the public about the adverse events associated with this was, was colluding with Pfizer to keep it out of the public's hands for 75 years. We have a whole series of, of whistleblowers that have come out of the FDA year after year with all this information about political manipulation of, of uh, decision-making that caused unsafe drugs and unsafe medical devices coming in the market. As I just mentioned, the ECT device, it was a class three medical device, highly risky, 
meaning that it only could be available uh, by physician prescription. It shouldn't have been available at all because it's horrific. It doesn't do any good. And instead, they they had to be a class three, which was extremely hazardous, and it would require a physician prescription and certain controls in place. They, they downgraded it to a class two, which means it is more available, not less. And they even made it available for children. And this is this is awful. I mean, this is just terrible. For over 400 volts of electricity into your brain for sessions that run up to 30 minutes with grand mal seizures. Do we lose you, Jonathan? I just lost the audio there. Super Don, you, you present? Oh, bipolar. Oh, there you are. I, I'm sorry. I lost that last sentence, Jonathan. Repeat that. So it's not, uh, ECT is not a solution to bipolar. It's not a solution to depression. And it's a temporary fix in the sense that it causes someone not to communicate in a way that is indicative of their problems. But invariably, these people come back and have to have the whole process done again. And it just ends up obliterating their memories and, and making them basically walking vegetables. Well, the, the responses as well, I know that it's a detailed, you know, the legislation I was talking about that you would you know, bring out uh, probably very quickly as a U.S. senator. Um, the terrain for something like this is better because of it worsened, right? The reality of the disaster that it is are these agencies and what they've done, public health, et cetera. And so the proposal to sunset already is great unless you give an option a if they want it if they think it's great then have congress adopt it and then congress again takes charge or control of what it's required constitutionally do it's the one the originator of writing new laws if you will that result in regulations of the marketplace etc even though we'd argue most of those regulations that they have through the oligarchy are uh, absolute disaster they don't tend to help the american people but they do tend to help those that have lobbied the corporations multinational etc uh, gain a stranglehold on the marketplace for, uh, uh, you know, options that are then the only options allowed. And they are definitely never the best in a monopoly. And even if they are temporarily, they stumble on something good, eventually someone would innovate beyond it in a free market of ideas. And so, so much of what makes sense to us and to Ron Paul all those years ago, Perhaps now it would land and, you know, people like Naomi Wolf and others that have been traditionally, again, Democrats realize the control of everything in health and healing has been absolutely disastrous and that we must try something different. And that different is something old. It's called the Constitution. <laughs> Reactivate the separation of powers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, truly an extraordinary situation. We are, I think, uh, based on my interaction with people all across Virginia, uh, in a unique situation where the public appears to be awakening to the reality that the whole uh, Biden administration agenda is one uh, that is going to deprive them of essential liberties unless they stop. It. So they don't want their kids going to school and having to be vaccinated with the COVID vaccine to go to school. They don't want their kids going to school and being told that their gender is fluid and that they can, little boys can become little girls if they want to and vice versa. And then having them shipped off to have these procedures, even uh, in the absence of their parents' knowledge of the 
reality that they've enabled these kids to perceive themselves to be the opposite gender. Uh, the whole thing is just a, a making people sick, and they're realizing that this is just the start of it. That if it's not nipped in the bud, hmm. uh, it's going to get even worse. And when you consider how widely this is proliferated, then they look at the economy and they realize how unstable it is and how the government continuously spends massive amounts, doesn't want in these budget negotiations, the Biden administration doesn't want any cap whatsoever on a $32 trillion debt, uh, no cap on government spending to minimize that debt, but adding to it egregiously so year after year with the inflationary effects uh, now being seen. I mean, you get the Fed raising the interest rates by 25 percentage uh, basis points with the effect that the uh, real estate market is near collapse, the effect that uh, a whole bunch of consumer markets are now in dire straits because of the inflationary effects that are rippling through. Uh, you have an, a, you know, a, a 5 to 8% inflation rate, according to the government statistics. But when you go to the grocery store and you try to buy eggs, you realize that that's a lie. It's a lot more that the cost of things are going up so much. And you've got this paranoia on the part of the Fed that if they don't take this severe action to restrict the availability of capital, that inflation will go hog wild and completely destroy the nation. And so at the, that with those same type of sentiments running through their ranks, you've got the Congress of the United States on the Democrat side continuously generating more spending bills, more efforts to, in you know, embrace this climate ideology in actions that are uh, government-planned economy shifting us from fossil fuels by force into a windmill and a solar panel and an electric car environment that is unaffordable and that is unsustainable and that is inefficient and that is incapable of being giving us reliable and uh, energy. And, and and all based on a pack of lies, again, the idea that this is somehow better for the environment to uh, have all of these rare earth minerals being harvested around the world in highly uh, uh, polluting environments, manufacturing windmills uh, is highly polluting, and then the destructive effects on the environment when you have mass amounts of farmland being converted into uh, terrain that is populated by solar cells and by windmills. And when you realize to, to replicate what we have in energy from fossil fuels, not to mention to reach the new higher levels of energy that are required of, of us, we have, uh, you have half the, the geographic, uh, half of the geography of the United States, half of the na nation will have to be comprised of these solar panels and and uh, windmills, which is just insane. Well, I think, in and so the, everything seems to be in a fantasy land on the far left. I mean, they, yeah. they don't deal with reality or the consequences of their actions. They dismiss them. No, it, as it, irrelevant. It's the the violation of the freedom to innovate, which has happened even in the restricted and, and highly regulated market. You know, we found ways to utilize oil-based uh, fuels in a cleaner fashion. And, uh, you know, I don't think you and I are opposed to clean forms of energy, but my gosh, ha having it mandated from above based on a faulty premise 
uh, does not give us the best opportunity to do better. It, in fact, we end up. Well, they also lie about. I mean, uh, natural gain. Uh, and not only that, the the methods that are used in production of coal and of mm-hmm. of uh, natural gas and and of oil and in the manufacturing processes today have minimized the degrees of uh, pollution. The, this idea that you should render carbon uh, pollution zero, have a zero carbon world. If we had a zero carbon world, plants would be yeah. dying right and left. We'd, we'd they, star- they, starve to death because we wouldn't have enough plants. Short-sighted uh, and absurd. Is is that, it is. Uh, it's, it's insanity. It's a, it's a zealousness that goes beyond uh, rationality because it, it proves that humanity is worth sacrificing to preserve an environment that is void of people. Essentially, they have this notion that regardless of the harm caused to humanity, it's worth undertaking if it means, say, a, a, a fraction of a degree less carbon pollution. Yeah, and then it's all based on this. Really, in the end, it's it's a tripe. I mean, it's a trope that is that is not that is not uh, serious because you can't say that if you eliminate any pollution in the United States that that's going to save the planet from pollution effects when you've got communist China, India, and the third world producing massive amounts of pollution uh, unchecked. So address that. They're exempt. Yeah. They're all exempt from this whole climate change ideology, the Paris Accords. They're exempt from that. They yeah. carry on with the amounts of pollution they sign. And here on our side, we uh, assiduously try to beat ourselves up into oblivion, get rid of every fossil fuel vehicle so that drive and render poverty even more extreme because people can't even drive to go to work. Yeah. And you, you drive up the costs of gasoline artificially by running out of existence uh, through regulation. All of the jobbers who 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 are responsible for taking the risks to find the oil and find the natural gas and also rendering uh, production of it impossible because you can't store it. You can't transport it. You can't uh, um, engage in refining all of this because of massive amounts of ridiculous regulation. And the upshot of that is is what? Destruction of the whole economy. And what does that lead to? Well, that leads to government takeover of the economy. And that means a, a totalitarian government, right? Well, Socialism or really communism. And it also means more pollution than ever. If you think about that, the poorest among us trying to, to stay warm, we're going to burn everything in sight. You want to talk about an abject environmental disaster? Do, yeah, sure. Destroy the economy of the United States and see what happens. So I don't believe these people. And what it really, it proves, your point proves the point, the ultimate point. This is not really about the environment. When you look at all the harms caused by the environment, windmills destroying birds and bat populations, uh, causing all sorts of problems, intermittent energy coming out of it, such that you can't really replace natural gas in the end anyway. you got to have natural gas backup uh, generation systems of power. So that you end up really not uh, having uh, anything other than in a very expensive uh, windmill, right? So the, this whole idea is is designed, really, uh, as uh, AOC admitted through her chief of staff to 
the governor of Washington state at a climate change uh, um, meeting that they had with their top climate change people in Washington state, yeah. that this is not about the environment, that this is about bringing socialism to America. That's yeah. what it's about. Yeah, clear. And, and you know, those, uh, you know, in, in, in living in hypocrisy on this issue, environmentalists are often living in hypocrisy on the election issue. Um, the politics of elections in America, the concern we have for free and fair elections. Uh, the Durham report has basically exposed the FBI as the agency that basically nullified the election to have a you know free and fair election. They promoted this idea that somehow a Trump had colluded with Russia, which was a, spur- a spurious claim based on other spurious claims. And now they acknowledge with this uh, Durham report that it should never have occurred. This investigation was a complete fallacy and a farce. And and so yeah, well, very- we go ahead. We've known that, Robert. I mean, we've known this. The Durham report is not a revelation in the sense that uh, we didn't know that they lacked sufficient evidence to proceed. We knew that. We knew that they relied on faulty, you know, the the Steele report, the Steele dossier that was entirely bogus. We knew that they knew it was bogus. We knew that even though they knew it was bogus, they still sought the FISA warrants against Trump uh, people's secret warrants that would enable them to eavesdrop and follow them and and, uh, and gather information against all the Trump uh, associates that they have proceeded against. And this is, this is criminality. This is effort at a coup d'etat. This is a government uh, that was turned over to a political party's uh, candidates, Kane and, and Clinton, yeah, and the real, they financed the Steele dossier. So, the you know, the overthrow. whole thing is corrupt, right? Yeah, the real overthrow was not January 6th, which is absurd. It's, you know, the efforts of those that wanted, you know, Biden or them, the, the, the power to make sure that Trump would become president again. And, you know, Hillary complained about when she lost. And, of course, it's okay when they do it. If anybody else does it, then it's, you know, borderline insurrection. It's a, it's a, a right. Stand. And they were trying to deflect attention by doing this whole uh, concocted steel mm-hmm. dossier thing with the full knowledge of the, the Obama White House, of Obama and Vice President Biden at the time. They were in on it. And it, the whole thing was designed to deflect attention away from the fact that Hillary Clinton had this private server in her uh, home in Chappaqua that was uh, transferring all of the correspondence to the Secretary of State's office from that office straight to her home. That itself was illegal and in violation of the regulations governing department and the Freedom of Information Act laws. But it was also a violation of the Espionage Act because hundreds of these pieces of correspondence were classified. And she knew that she was fully cognizant that she was breaking the law when she did it. She just never thought she'd get caught. So when she was caught, what does she do? She bleach bits the, the uh, server and she, she takes out the hard drives and hammers them Mm -hmm. and they do nothing about that. That's the, that's, that was evidence. She destroyed it. She wasn't prosecuted for that. She wasn't prosecuted for violations of the espionage act. Uh, officers in the military who inadvertently take uh, classified information on their laptops home are are prosecuted and thrown in the hoosgow. Mm. Here, Hillary Clinton uh, does does much more than that and is let go scot free. Right, so they they flip the narrative 
And then when it comes to Trump, there's no evidence. They concoct it. And then they spend millions of tax dollars pursuing a red herring, all designed to uh, create an effective basis for a coup d'etat. If, if it wasn't for the vigorous defense of Donald Trump and the revelations that came out along the way from institutions like Fox News and some others, and certainly um, the, uh, you know, the New York uh, uh, Daily News, we would not have had the information because they were trying to keep it from us. And we would have believed the lies that Adam Schiff told mm-hmm. and others who told said that they had proof positive evidence that indeed Trump was colluding. But we knew that was false. We knew it was false. We knew that the whole thing was too fantastic. When they read the Steele dossier, it was absurd. It was concocted based on facially it's absurd. And it's only because of the information that leaked out periodically that caused us uh, to have enough pressure to bear that prevented uh, Donald Trump from being uh, voted by the Senate for removal uh, from office. Um, But that would have gone that way had it not been for, um, you know, the the, the actions of aggressive people in the media who uncovered it and yet realized that under this whole big tech censorship regime they've got going, we are at risk, right? Because how much information did they suppress related to the criticism of the COVID vaccine, for example? Exactly. And how many people's lives were lost and injured as a result of the absence of critical information, such as the value of early treatments? They censored all that information. So, what, so I mean, it, censorship carries with it not just a political embarrassment. It can carry with it the loss of human life. And people have to come of the, the culture. we're going to have innovation and we're going to have revelation of corruption and we're going to save our republic we have to have a first amendment operating in this country so we have a culture of uh, acceptance of censorship you know at this point and I, I know there's an uprising against it but still a significant percentage of, of those certainly within government much less those that support the existing uh, um, regime uh, are just loving the ability to censor uh, uh, opinions that they don't share as opposed to engaging in spirited debate discussion and intelligent debate and discussion that would persuade based on evidence and fact. And, you know, I keep pointing this fact out that uh, people who are not in the, on the inside of this, in the, in the medical realm, the non-medical medical people, the homeopaths, the herbalists, the chiropractors, the, the NDs, naturopaths and others, they were right. We were all right about what was happening. It turns out we're, you know, if there's a vindication to occur because they said we were spreading misinformation, the fact is we were accurate and correct and didn't have to apologize maybe even once over what we were either speculating or knew factually because of our history of, of looking at the human body and the immune system maybe a little differently than our medical friends. And yet they got it wrong. Some have woken up and done mea culpas and repented and they're welcome here anytime, of course. And, and yet moving forward, I don't see any effort by those that got it wrong to step aside and say, hey, let's invite the people to the table that got it right and learn from them a little bit so that we don't end up in the same situation again at the next pandemic. Right. You see this unrepentant liberal media that refuses to admit in the face of the enormous evidence mm-hmm. that they got it wrong. You know, on the whole Russia hoax thing, you still have, you have a couple of them peeled away, but by and large, 
they're all just in lockstep denying that uh, there's any value to the Durham report, that it doesn't, you know, they're saying that it's just old news, it doesn't present any. In fact, it does present a lot of new information, and that new information is proof positive and essentially a confirmation of the utter total absence of any evidence sufficient to even open an investigation, let alone carry it on for over a year and to have all these warrants issued, secret warrants. They didn't, they didn't follow the protocols that are required. Not at all. Not at all. The system of justice operating, that the Justice Department and the, and the FBI that steer, steer uh, the use of the uh, enforcement and intelligence gathering and uh, prosecutorial functions against Republicans, against conservatives, and utterly ignore direct evidence of criminality by Democrats. It's very clear. And the Durham report is another major piece of evidence that supports that conclusion. He spent considerable amount of time he went through all of the information. He interviewed numerous witnesses and came to the conclusion that the whole thing was unfounded. Yeah. There wasn't any basis. And, and that's telling. That tells us very clearly that the Justice Department, the FBI, and the, and the campaign were part and parcel of a movement to cause a coup d'etat in America. Mm-hmm to overthrow an existing president, to present, prevent him from being elected in the first place based on, on the false and scurious statements that were made and based on censorship of information germane to their own criminality. Yeah. And then when it came to his presidency, they spent the entire time of his presidency attempting to use unfounded basis, no basis at all, to impeach and remove him from office. And that's really what we're talking about is a political coup d'etat, more characteristic of a third world country than anything we thought would happen here in the United States. And we have got to clean house at FBI and at DOJ and at CDC. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of people that need to be Jonathan, in there in political positions at FBA who are in political positions of power. Yeah. who are abusing that power to achieve political ends that favor the uh, Democrats and Jonathan, this administration. We have less than two minutes, and <clears throat> I got a top-of-the-hour break coming, and Allison Williams is joining us, uh, formerly of ESPN. It's a great, great uh, reporter, uh, a woman of great integrity as well, and uh, I think you'd like her if you know, if you knew her. She stood her ground when they said you had to get the shot. She's like, uh-uh, not going to do it. That's an ongoing story for many people. Uh, but real quick, if you were in the U.S. Senate, uh, what accountability can you put on because those are executive branch agencies, even FBI, uh, that engaged in, yeah. you said, a coup. What, what accountability can be brought to bear? I'll tell you what. As a safeguard, we can defund departments and eliminate the employment of those who are in them. So when we know that whole departments were corrupted and that a substantial number of people in them at DOJ and FBI for the Russia hoax and for protecting Hillary Clinton and so on, we can eliminate those departments if we, and that's what I would do. But in the long term, we have to have investigations. We have to hold people to account for the crimes they committed and for the abuses of power, obstruction of justice, and ensure that they're prosecuted. If we have a new attorney general, to make it a priority, and Congress can can actually legislate 
to allocate resources to compel Mm -hmm. the investigations and the prosecutions of those responsible for proceeding, uh, as the Durham report reveals, um, with a political prosecution. Yeah. Jonathan, I appreciate you joining us by phone today from that meeting. And I want to recommend everybody check out EMORD for VA, EMORD for VA for Virginia, EMORD for VA.com, running for the United States Senate to defeat Tim Kaine in the coming election for U.S. Senate in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And there's an upcoming events tab at that site. Uh, there's a bunch of events coming up, and some are in Virginia, others are out around, around the United States. And you definitely want to show up and, and learn as well as support. Uh, our good friend Jonathan Emord here as we do the Sacred Fire of Liberty each week at this time. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to be with you, Robert. Take care. All, right. All the best. And we got a whole other hour of broadcast healing like nowhere else in media. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. We'll check you out in the chat room. Allison Williams is standing by, and um, I've been looking forward to having her on since we started covering her uh, situation of uh, standing her ground, saying, uh-uh, you will not violate me and my body. You know, and we, we talked about uh, the concept of an injection being violative, like a form of rape with a, a syringe in this case. It's just horrific. It's hor- horrendous that anybody would support forced uh, medical treatment or interventions like this. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more on the Robert Scott Bell Show after this. Please share the show and we'll be back with, uh, well, with Allison Williams. It's going to be fun. Uh, check it out. RobertScottBell.com. The power to heal is yours. All right. My, my wife and I uh, conducted a workshop this week. It was open to the public at a local library on uh, something that some people go, that's controversial. Uh, you know, whatever. It's like, I'm not a controversial guy. I'm in talk radio. What do you think? Anyway, we had this opportunity to share, uh, you know, experiences in um, what I've said about a connection to the divine. How do we connect to the divine? How are we connected to the source of all healing, the source of all wisdom that goes beyond any MD, PhD, etc. And um, it was interesting. There was an exercise that we did called thinking from the end. That is setting the stage for something that you desire, you want to occur and you know, being very specific about it and seeing it, you know, already have, it's already manifested, already happened. And uh, she told the story about how she had written a description of, you know, who she wanted as a mate in her life. Because obviously before we connected and got married, writing down all these details, uh, he should this, he said, I don't want, and he can't be a smoker, you know, all of that stuff. And uh, she found that thing that she had done, like after we had uh, met and, and got married and she read it, it's like, oh my gosh, I created you. <laughs> it was one of those funny things like, well, I matched up pretty well to what you said there. And one of the things I, I brought out is like, well, she didn't want a, a, a sports fanatic, you know, somebody that would be lost on the weekend to, you know, watching all the sports t- TV shows and such. I, I thought that was rather rather funny. I think I, I do like sports. I, I like to play them and I, and I do like to watch them. Uh, what's the borderline when you go into fanaticism, you know, like the so-called uh, uh, widows of the sports weekend and the husbands disappear, for instance. And, uh, you know, I kind of think I'm reasonable about it, that I wasn't so obsessed, but, you know, I grew up with my dad. We did sports, we watched sports and that was part of me, but I like to think I wasn't so obsessed. And, and yet at the same time, she tolerated, you know, I'd watch baseball or basketball or football or all these things as, as part of my 
journey through life, you know, an escape. You just sit back and you know, we enjoy it. Super Don enjoys, you know, doing a little sports. We talk sports a little bit. And, uh, and then I, I brought up in this, you know, exercise and others brought up how they've used it and succeeded in doing that. And, and then I said, yeah. And it was funny. All I had to do was wait long enough. And then she would end up joining me occasionally on the couch, watching sports, uh, got now loves baseball, loves to watch, you know, football, all of these things that I, you know, I've enjoyed. I was like, I just had to wait her out. And she says, no, 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 that was COVID. <laughs> that was COVID. The three years are just, we couldn't, we weren't able to go out and do the stuff we did. And so anyway, it was just a funny all the way around. I just have more patience. I didn't write that down. I have to have a mate that likes sports or not, but you know, that's what love can do. Uh, and eventually uh, you, you find things through, through your life together on this journey together that are pretty extraordinary. Now, I, I use this story as a bridge to our, our guest this hour who clearly has a love of sports and sports reporting. She's very talented, did that for ESPN for a number of years and continues to do great work, but uh, was threatened with uh, get the shot or else during COVID, you know, to, to do her job as a reporter, to be on the sideline, to go places. And, and she's not the only one. Many people were, were uh, threatened with loss of, of their job. A lot of people kind of just rolled up their sleeve and said, all right, if this is what I got to do. And uh, you know, we had uh, Dr. Batar on uh, just a couple of days ago. And speaking to Dr. Batar, remember, Advanced Medicine Conference is coming up Memorial Day weekend in St. Louis, Missouri. I encourage you all to join me there if you can. And there's an online version as well. But if you if you want the access point to get a discount, use the code RSB. My initials RSB. And we'll hope to see you there, or you can watch online. And and Bruce Lipton is going to be there. I'm so excited. Cellular biologists. It'll be a great reunion, and many other awesome people. Uh, so that's coming up. But um, Many of the people that acquiesced because they felt like, well, I have to keep a roof over my head. I mean, there was a, it was a real bad pressure point. Do I keep, do I lose my job? And, and well, you know, what's the risk there? And, and it really violated fundamental, a fundamental tenet here. I think it, it's more than an American thing. I think it's being a human, the right of informed consent, and the right in informed consent is not only to know all of the information available to you about any particular procedure, but the right, the absolute right to say no without consequence. So if they said, well, you had the choice not to take it, that's not informed consent because the consequence is that you lose your job. You lose, you can't be in society, any number of things that are untenable if you want to feed your family, for instance. And yet these things were cheerleaded into reality by many people that were living in fear of the invisible, of a germ or a virus manufactured or, 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 or natural, however you want to say it. Well, you know, we've covered these controversies many times. And that fear is what also induced a, a, a violent uh, aggressiveness from largely the political left. And I don't, I, I don't want to encourage this to be a political thing, even though it became politicized. And we found out that the entrenchment of those that wanted to mandate forcefully you get an injection or wear a mask or isolate and hide, never come out, did not come from primarily or fine, uh, fundamentally the so-called political right. And, and those you know things have flipped over history, historical terms, because we see a Democrat uh, like Bobby Kennedy running for president now. We look at him and go, well, that's not anything like a Democrat that I've seen in the last few years or few decades. That's really different. different. And then we look back at his uncle, uh, John F. Kennedy, president, and go, his policies as a Democrat are more conservative than most Republicans today. And go, okay, things have shifted, things have changed. And when I grew up, you know, there was a, a, a let's say, a, a little bit of a concern of the religious right that was trying to suppress freedom of speech in music, in the arts, 
you know, particularly if you're into rock and roll, you know, certain things that you know, we, we want to put, put advisory lyrics on that. And I think that was the role of the parents, not the government to do that, to decide if this is right for your child, you know, to listen to or not. Yet now the right has become the defense, the, the place where we defend freedom of speech and the left has become the place that has attacked it and, and defended the ability to, 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 to violate your first amendment protected rights because they're rights from God, not government. The government uh, is restricted from preventing you or, or stopping you from speaking what you believe, as long as you're not violating the rights of others by doing so. And so it's a, it's a wild world that we live in where you talk about confusion on every level. And that is a strategy of course, to defeat, you know, people, if you want to control them and own them, just confuse them enough. And now we've confused the children enough that many children don't even know what a man or a woman is or a boy or a girl is. And they're confused about what they are. So the states of confusion are related all on all levels. And yes, there are as well, uh, biologically, uh, meaningful interventions that are happening because of modern medical mandates prior to COVID, including vaccines derived from aborted fetal cells from male and female fetus babies. And then we have xenoestrogens from plasticizers. We have, um, you know, every time you get one of those heat printed receipts, you got these uh, BPA, bisphenol A, altering endocrine integrity. And young people that are often in those cash register positions on top of what else? The vaccinations, yes. Antibiotics destroying the gut, the gut ecology, the microbiome, resulting in all kinds of aberrant endocrine production brain neurotransmitter production, and so much, so many layers of confusion on top of the grooming that is occurring as well to try and encourage people to go, you're not, you know, you're a tomboy as a girl. And that used to be, hey, you're a tomboy. You're still a girl. Nobody questioned whether you're a girl. And now, oh, you're a tomboy. Maybe you really should be a boy. Let me, let me put you on some uh, testosterone and then we'll, we'll surgically alter you. I mean, how absurd and how dangerous this, this becomes. And if we question any or all of these things, we were denigrated as purveyors of misinformation, disinformation, or slandered with a term like anti-vaxxer. Now, as a homeopath, I think vaccines are the you know antithesis of good health and good immune function before COVID. Yeah, you called me names, sure, but I don't. Doesn't you know, what well, they say sticks and stones scenario, but uh, the reality is we were never really fully censored in the way we were during COVID. Banned on YouTube banned on Spotify, banned on LinkedIn, you know, and alternate on other things. We, we have still access to a lot of things and I'm grateful that you guys and gals share the show because without you, we couldn't be here. We don't have big pharma money to tell everybody, Hey, listen to the Robert Scott Bell show. And then people like Allison Williams, who's my guest in just a moment here doing, just doing her job. Never probably ever thought she would be in the middle of a controversy related to, you know, medical issues suddenly confronted with, hey, take this shot or else. And maybe she was considering having children and thought, well, there could be considerations about the fertility issues, which we pointed out at the beginning phases. They didn't even consider in the study parameters on COVID jabs to be whether there would be an alteration of female cycle scenarios, anything different. It's like, hello, you're giving this women? Yeah, we're giving this to women. You think that you might want to monitor menstrual cycles? Oh, yeah, we, we didn't. What is that? So I'm the unscientific one. I'm the anti-science one. You know, and I'm not alone in questioning these things. So let's bring Allison Williams in, formerly VSPN. She's extraordinary. She's doing great work. We'll learn more about her and what she's doing now. Back, I say back because we were talking to her before the show. But Allison, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. We covered your story the moment we saw it hit the, the news cycle uh, during all the COVID and yours and many others. 
uh, found yourself in a very awkward position. And I'm sad for the people that that went and got the jabs, even if they could keep their job, because many of them have been injured. Some have died. I just got a text from a friend who's, you know, mom, uh, she's against the shot, but her son, now an adult, got the shot and three jabs, now has cancer. So there's a lot of horrible stories. And I guess you might have had some sense of the possibility in your life and your family. So maybe kind of bring us back to the, your thoughts when this first came about and we'll catch everybody up. Yeah. Um, I think from the beginning, there was a, a skepticism, a hesitancy for me. I, I can remember having conversations with my colleagues at ESPN when COVID was just beginning. This was probably March of 2020. And I remember sitting there with my uh, basketball producer and our associate AD and um, we, we were talking and I said, you know, this is going to come down to a vaccine. Like mm. this is, this is going to come down to a vaccine. And I was, I, I would say I was privy to the um, pharmaceutical companies, uh, transgressions, if you will, to the way they've captured government agencies, to the way they have uh, forced vaccines onto young children. And so I had an awareness when it came to the vaccine and pharmaceutical industry, because when I had my first son, I was committed to fully educating myself before I made any choices that could impact his health. That included vaccines. So my husband and I, um, you know, I was influenced by my uh, several members of my family too. So I kind of came at it from a direction of we are not going to vaccinate. And mm -hmm. my husband came at it from a direction of, yes, we are. Tell me why we aren't. I said, but fair this enough. Was, I don't. This was before COVID. You this had was well before COVID. So okay. I had my first son in um, 2019. Gotcha. And so um, I, I absolutely respected that. I mean, I had to kind of state my case and we went on this journey together. We went through each vaccine and we started listening to a lot of different podcasts, some pro-vaccine, um, some who were from doctors that were more um, honest, I would say, about mm -hmm. the vaccines in general. Yeah. So uh, we ultimately did not vaccinate our son and it, it took a while to convince my husband of why it didn't make sense and how little he actually did know about them. I mean, wow. you know, you think about this, Robert, like how many people even know what hepatitis B is and how it's transmitted? And yeah. yet the day babies are born, they're told mm -hmm. to inject them did, with a vaccine. You bring up it. With your husband, it's like, I don't think our son is going to escape from the delivery room and get a tattoo with a dirty needle. He's not exactly at when he realized what hepatitis B was mm -hmm. and how it was transmitted. His his initial reaction was this is insane. But mm -hmm. what really opened it up, opened his eyes up was the money and following mm -hmm. the money and realizing the lack of liability, uh, realizing how profitable the vaccine industry is for these pharmaceutical companies and how they have absolutely you know, no recourse if damage is done. And once he realized that, I think things really started to click. So that was kind mm -hmm. of the world I was living in. I, I, I would say my faith was very much intertwined with those decisions as well. I don't think we're born broken. I, I don't think God makes mistakes like that. Yeah. Um, so I came at this as a position of, I would say, vaccine aware. And I knew from the beginning COVID would be about a vaccine. And I had a feeling, I hoped against all hopes that it wouldn't come down to that, but I had a feeling if it did, my job could be in jeopardy someday. And right. as much as that kind of played in the back of my mind, when it became a reality and my feet were held to the fire, it, it was still hard to, to wrap my mind around the fact that this was happening in America, in America. You know, of all places. Now I'm fascinated even now you're telling me about the, 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 you know, I was talking about relationships with husbands and wives here and uh, that your husband was not necessarily on board with where you were. And I've often said since learning what I have learned, cause I, you know, I got to this uh, conclusion, understanding as a homeopath learning and my wife was in, in doctor chiropractic school. So, so we were aligned going into the marriage on that issue, which is, can be very divisive. We've seen in divorce cases, how one parent doesn't believe one parent doesn't. Yeah. Oh, it's brutal because the courts tend to, defer and decide on, you know, the medical, whatever the medical people say. 
And, and yet, you know, as we talk about the differences, I, I think people can have more successful relationships and marriages, even if they're of different religions, than if they believe differently about vaccines. I mean, it can be yeah, very yeah. difficult to overcome. So congratulations to you <laughs> and your husband for, uh, you know, managing to, to, to work your way through that. That's amazing. Yeah. And it took time. And I think it, it had to be approached in a way that was honest. Um, and I had to be open. I had to show that I was open-minded as well. So that's why I say when we went on this journey together, it was actually on a, a drive we just did is when it really started. We drove from um, San Diego to Wyoming, where we are now. And I was pregnant with my son. I was about eight months pregnant. And I said, hey, this is going to become an issue for us. Um, we need to really have some serious talks about this. And I said, are you open to listening to some podcasts that might change your mind a little bit that I've been listening to? And he said, yes, but I want you to pull up some pro vaccine ones as well. I said, absolutely. Let's, let's do that. I, I can respect that. I, I don't want you thinking I'm some crazy, like anti-science nut, right? I mean, that's what we all get labeled. So we did that. And it was interesting because it was actually one of those vaccines that the light bulb started to go off for him because they they started criticizing, it was Del Bigtree, they started mm -hmm. criticizing him for the money he made after leaving the doctor show and promoting this anti-vaccine agenda. Mm -hmm. And that was their attack was that he made money, but yet they had on a, a, a man who had developed multiple vaccines and he was the hero in the story. And there was no mention of how much money he had made by developing uh, these vaccines that are now in the childhood immunization schedule. And it was like, wait, 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 wait. If you're saying making money makes you bad or your mission bad or your purpose bad, that's completely backwards and hypocritical. Um, and again, that was what really changed his mind was seeing who was making money off this and who had liability and who didn't. And, um, and, and I give him credit because he educated himself. And I think that's the one thing I noticed too, when I had these conversations with friends, specifically ones who are in the medical industry, who don't realize who funds the, you know, medical universities and who don't realize who funds the, the agencies that they have to answer to. Um, they're very dismissive of, of my position until you really start to ask them questions. And, and when you can get to the core of like, what they are, why they're needed, and, and so forth, um, then then they start to wake up. And once they learn that, I mean, how many people do you know that educate themselves, find out what we're not being told, read the whole pamphlet, and then say, no, I still want to do this? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know of anyone. I mean, I feel like once you know, you can't go back. Um, and that's, that's all I'm asking for is like, let's just really break right. this down when it comes to anything, COVID vaccines, um, Tylenol, yeah. like anything. Like, let's really find out Mm -hmm. what the cause is long-term, short-term and have full informed consent. Well, it sounds like you found out, you know, in terms of communicating with your husband about it, or he uncovered something that resonated with him that he could start picking apart and relate to, okay, this now doesn't make sense. Cause right. we can, we can explain the science till we're blue in the face sometimes to these people and they, they gloss over. It doesn't, but then you start bringing up institutional conflicts of interest. And by the way, this was the focus of our documentary, Utah safe and effective. Uh, if you haven't seen that yet, go to utahsafeandeffective.org, downloads free. Uh, but we we pointed out these institutional conflicts of interest between medicine and state, mm -hmm. uh, medicine and media, medicine, religion, even. It's just astonishing uh, how far we've come and been blinded by this so that we realize the activity of even well-meaning people. They don't realize how much that has been uh, brought into reality because of the money flowing, like your husband right. identifies. Like, wait a second here. You're telling me 
Del Bigtree can't make money and they can, and that it's a conflict for him, but not them. So there are ways yep. to reach people. And so does your husband like it into business and finance? Does he, is that what he knows so well? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's in construction, but he was a finance major oh. in college. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I mean, I literally printed up um, the funding from the CDC mm-hmm. and went through it and it, yeah. his eyes lit up. He was like, are you kidding me? Like mm-hmm. Pfizer not, funds yeah. them, like Bill and Melinda Gates funds them. Like I mean, once you see these indisputable facts, it, yeah. it's really hard. It's hard to argue. And, you know, credit to him that he was open-minded enough to, yeah. to receive them. And Allison, I want to preface our, our discussion now moving forward in that we can have and analyze this intellectually on many levels and come to the similar conclusion that we might have also as a religious or spiritual belief, right? right? If you look at the manufacture of many of these uh, uh, jabs, including COVID jabs, whether they actually have aborted fetal cells in them, if you're opposed to abortion and killing babies, even if they tested some of the preliminaries on it and it didn't end up in the final product, it's still a problem in, ten, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, our, our belief in, in, in morality or ethics, however you describe it, or religious beliefs. So, and I know that there have been accusations that if you believe it this this for this reason, that you can't also have a religious view about it. Right. Right. And that was something that was really bothersome with me. Um, and I know was something that people held against me because I had initially with ESPN, I applied for a medical exemption and my doctor um, fully supported me. I called him in July and I said, look, this is what's going on with my place of employment. I don't feel comfortable getting this. We were trying for our second child at the time. And um, he said, absolutely. I support you. I'll write whatever documentation you need, send it on over, have my assistant um, get it to me and and we'll get you taken care of. Because I obviously had to have a doctor's uh, letter. So when I initially filed, that was the plan. And then about a month later, I reached out to his office to follow up on on the um, letter documentation that I needed. And I was told they were having a clinic-wide meeting and they would get back to me. And after that meeting, they decided they would not be writing any exemptions for anyone, even though I... Yes, the pressure was on. So you know exactly why that happened. I know why that happened. And I'm left in this crazy position of having to reach out to my employer and say, actually, I want to modify to a religious exemption. But what was interesting is even when I went through that process with ESPN, and even though I made the change initially, they were like, they they were acting understanding. And ultimately, they did believe my beliefs were sincerely held religious beliefs, but they just argued they couldn't accommodate me. And then retroactively, they've made comments that um, my request initially for medical somehow negates or nullifies or belittles my my religious exemption request, which is very mm-hmm. odd. Um, mm-hmm. But these aren't mutually exclusive things. And I know a lot of my decisions in medicine and how I approach my life in general, like what I put into my body is rooted in, in my faith and in my belief in God. So I think those things are very much intertwined. And to say that because you believe one, you shouldn't have the other is is ridiculous. Yeah. But again, that some when you're dealing with the legal challenges and you, you have a, an ongoing suit against ESPN and Disney over this issue, and you're not alone yeah. there. And we're hearing a lot of suits and uh, a number of victories, too, in the pushback against these illegal uh, mandates, you know, the, the, the corruption of the uh, freedom to work based on right. a religious, not well, religious test. Yes, but now, you know, a medical test and mm-hmm. it, it, just astonishing what we witness. As you point out, you look around, it's like, is this America? How did we abandon freedom so quickly, so rapidly? Yeah, and I was hesitant uh, to file the lawsuit. It's really a daunting thing, right? It's it's scary. You go up against yeah. a behemoth like ESPN and Disney, and it's incredibly intimidating. And I, 
honestly, I was scared and I still am. I mean, it's going to be a long process. I know what we're up against. And I'm so thankful for um, my friend and colleague in, in Beth Faber, who I've been on this journey with. And we literally got, we literally met because of this. Uh, we were put in touch with each other through uh, another former employee at ESPN that also lost his position at the company really because of the mandate. So she um she's a, she is a strong strong woman of faith and she's kind of been my guiding light on this and i had a conversation with her when we were ready to file i said are you sure you know do do you really feel like we're doing the right thing and she's like Allison, we have to do this we have to do this so this doesn't happen to somebody in the future and and it and it's true and as much as i know we were wronged and i know i'm still dealing with the consequences of of their decisions mm -hmm. uh you know financially personally and so forth um it's about setting a precedent and it's about letting these companies know that they aren't bigger than mm -hmm. the constitution. They aren't bigger than individual rights, no matter how big they are, no matter how colluded they are with the government, we still have the power. And it's about the returning the power to the power of the people. And it's about taking a stand. So as intimidating and overwhelming as it is, mm -hmm. um, it's the right thing to do. And so I, I really felt called to, to take this stand again. Yeah. We witnessed, um, you know, I, I watch some of these these talk shows. I'm a talk show guy, but in, it's we don't do sports talk technically, but occasionally go into that. But yeah, some of these hosts on ESPN were like, they became you know frothing at the mouth, salivating over this issue, and and just accusing anybody who wasn't getting the shot of not being a team player. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, what was that guy, uh, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, was like over Kyrie. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, over Kyrie and and you know of course the uh, accusations of uh, you know who else was it the was the Bills player um, a Cole Beasley Cole Beasley as well mm -hmm. outspoken and of course and then Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers yeah. now with mm -hmm. the Jets and you know they actually actually spoke out which was amazing not all of them did they kind of some of them quiet I think a lot of them faked the the shot I believe hundred percent day you know anybody that really cares about their body was not going to get that shot. Now, in the case of uh, the other Bills player uh, who collapsed on field. Mm -hmm. uh, DeMar Hamlin, yeah. DeMar Hamlin, there's some bizarre controversies still associated with that. I can't, mm -hmm. I don't know specifically, but I'm just suspicious as you know what about that. Uh, but did did you have any human-to-human -human interaction outside of being off screen with any of your colleagues at ESPN that seemed to be so vicious on air about anybody who wasn't getting the jab? Um, it was interesting. There were several people who reached out and the ones that did, they just had to be quiet on air. Does that make sense? So if you felt very strongly one way, you were allowed to be very vocal. You were encouraged to be very vocal if you're Stephen A. Smith and you want to bash Kyrie Irving for, for not getting the vaccine. Um, but if you felt the other way, like this is his God-given right and so be it, then you were not given the platform. Um that a certain side was. So yeah. it was very obvious. I mean, they did commercials, like everything was about supporting uh, people getting vaccinated and any yeah. discussion otherwise was censored and, and squashed. And even the DeMar Hamlin, I mean, the fact that there was hours and hours of coverage and nobody said the V word, not yeah. once. I thought that was really telling. So to me, the, the silence throughout all of this from the beginning has really spoken volumes. And it's, it's, it's been very interesting because the people that did reach out privately and were so supportive privately and thought what ESPN did was absolutely wrong, they were very silent publicly. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, I mean, there's a few that spoke out. I think Sage Steele comes to mind, you know, the podcast she did with Jay Cutler when she said how disgusting and violated she felt getting the vaccine. I think she did that podcast the day she got it and she was in tears and wrecked and didn't want to and knew it was wrong. And, and, and she was punished by the company for that. 
Um, so very few have spoken out publicly that that would be aligned with what we're talking about. And I think that's unfortunate and that's bothersome because we need to encourage debate and discussion on all ends. And just because it doesn't fit a certain narrative doesn't mean the conversation isn't worth having. Right. I think about what makes uh, talk radio, whether it be sports talk or other interesting. It's the intrigue of having differences of opinion and having them clash and it draws people in the controversy. Mm-hmm. And yet this one, you can't present one whole side of it. Yet the right. whole basis for, you know, talk media is ba- throwing all the sides together and, 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 and hopefully informing education, but yet entertaining as well. I liked uh, Jason Whitlock as well. I, I think he's a man of great integrity. I would like to interview him one day as well. Uh, he seems to be a man of faith as, as well and respected, you know, personal decisions, you know, bodily mm-hmm. autonomy, which was lost on many of many of them. Yeah, anybody in the sports world that spoke out and and questioned the vaccine narrative from the beginning, I mean, you just got absolutely bashed by the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about Nick Rolovich, who uh, was the Washington State head football coach who lost his job over the vaccine mandate. And he was the first person we sat down with uh, for the special I did on Daily Wire, Breakaways, and what he went through and the way he was absolutely torn apart in the media and mm-hmm. and labeled everything under the sun and, and his character was drawn into question. Um, and here he is probably one of the, you know, most strong willed, um, noble people I've met. I mean, he truly has this deep unwavering belief and lost a power five football job over it. And what he went through, um, was horrible. And any, and nobody, nobody would speak out and defend him in the mainstream sports media. And, and it's, it's unfortunate because I know there are people who did support him, but you had to be quiet. Otherwise you'd hear from your yeah. employer. Well, and this is the thing about COVID, it, you know, from a physiological perspective, it revealed the hidden things that were under underneath the surface of ailments mm-hmm. and illnesses that were kind of hiding and they came out and that the vulnerability became very obvious. And also what we found is the people we thought, you know, were our friends or even family members, you found out where they really stood when COVID came out. Yeah. And, and many of them, you thought, well, I thought you were on the side of freedom and no, you couldn't even mm-hmm. talk about it, bring it up. And they, suddenly the people you thought you knew you didn't. And then the other thing as a side benefit, I guess, is we've revealed a whole new cadre of friends and family that we didn't know we had that really are committed to the principles of freedom, religious freedom, spiritual freedom, medical freedom, health freedom, all of that. You're so right. Um, and you also realize how many conditional relationships you have. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what was difficult to navigate. The people that I didn't hear from, the people who didn't reach out uh, when this when this went down, people who knew I was hurting and didn't care and said, well, it's her choice and so be it. And they were people who I, I would have really, if you would have asked me pre-COVID, I would have said, they're some of the closest people to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them turned their backs on me. Some of them cut ties with me. Some of them, again, that silent speaking volumes. And then you had the ones that came forward and said, this is this is what I respected the most. The people that came forward who said, I don't agree with you, but I love you and I care about you and I'm sorry you're hurting and I'm here for you. Mm. And that to me, I thought, what a novel concept. You can disagree with someone, but still yeah. want the best for them. Mm. I mean, we have totally lost that ability. It seems like now, if you don't agree with every single thing that comes out of this person's mouth that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to, you have to distance yourself or wish ill upon them. Um, I totally understood that not everyone would support my decision, but I had thought I had built up strong enough relationships that they would withstand a difference of opinion on something like this. And for some, they did not. And some they did. And you're right. It was kind of a filtering of people who really care about you and want the best for you. And people who, again, have, you have more conditional friendships with. Yeah. Well, I think we found the unconditional ones. Those that are now 
on board because of this. I, I apologize. I didn't get to watch the Megyn Kelly interview of you. And I'm, I'm curious as to how uh, the interaction went and the results of that. Because Megyn has been on the record uh, being very pro-vaccine in general, uh, although I think she's come to the conclusion, as many of us have. But how was the interaction in that interview? Honestly, Robert, it was wonderful. She was the first interview I did uh, after releasing my statement on my social media. Um, she was and, and that was intentional because I knew I would have time with her. This wasn't something I wanted to do in a two minute blip on on some you know network news channel. Yeah. And I knew she would be open and I knew she would challenge me because, as you mentioned, her uh, position at that time was very pro vaccine. She'd gotten the vaccine and her doctor said, look, mRNA technology is the way of the future. Just you're, we're going to have to get used to it. This is how we're going to be treating things, yada, yada. Um, and I knew she would, but I knew she would present an honest and fair discussion. And so that was why I chose to go on with her first. And she did. And she understood the, um, you know, the constitutional issues at play. She understood the, obviously with her lawyer back as her background as a lawyer, she yeah. understood the the legal part of it. But I think what she really um, hit home on was being a woman and the, the beautiful blessing we have to raise and bear these children and the responsibility and decisions that comes with that, because so much of my decision to not get this injection was tied to the fact that I was trying for a second child, which I ultimately had. And so she really, um, while well, she presented me with, hey, this is what the ACOG is saying, like, why don't you accept that it's safe and effective for women when they're pregnant? She allowed me to respond and say, okay, Megan, well, what is that study based on? It's based on rats. Who they didn't even allow to reproduce. They just dissected and said, no, everything's fine. Yeah. And and I, I also, you know, brought up to her, look, we don't know the long-term effects. Like, we don't know that there won't be a congenital issue that's exposed in five years from babies who were born when, you know, their mothers were vaccinated. We don't know that. We thought smoking was safe. We learned it wasn't, but it took several years. So I felt like she was open to the fact that, yes, this is what they are saying right now, mm -hmm. but also realizing we do not know standing here. And I think it was October of 2021, the long term effects of this. Um, and I, I appreciated her offering, you know, that platform to have that discussion and the time and the space yeah. to have that discussion. Well, and I think it, it, over time, she's even shifted even further, like many have she has, yep. that are reasonable, that have, uh, you know, intellectual skills of uh, critical thinking, you know, still available to them. And, uh, you know, we've seen some wake up and realize the error of the, the, the ways, their beliefs, their thoughts, et cetera, or that or they were based on fraud even, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, only partial information. Uh, and some of those doctors, again, we featured nurses, we featured on this show who have really said, uh, man, we really were duped. And then there are others that are still playing as if, you know, uh, we are the ones spreading misinformation to disinformation, even today still. It's astonishing that anybody could do that with a, the, the level of revelation about what you had a suspicion about early on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what we dug deep into, you know, like I said, on the on the uh, fertility issue, not even having, you know, parameters of menstrual cycle irregularities being even right. looked at or considered during the early phases of these trials. It's like, excuse me, well, how could you make a, the, the safe and effective claim based on that alone for pregnancy or childbirth or, or, or childbearing years? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we're on the right side on all of these issues and have nothing to apologize for. Uh, but there's only regret for many that have gotten the jab. And, and anybody that didn't, I've not heard one regret. Right. And that was what I kept going back to was even if there's a minuscule chance that this creates an ill effect for me or my child during my pregnancy or, or later in that child's life, even if it's a 0.1%, I've already had COVID. 
I know how this disease, this disease is going to affect me. So there's zero benefit for me to get this vaccine other than to keep my job. So now you're making me make a medical and personal decision for professional reasons. And those two things should not, you know, be put against one another. Um, so the risk benefit analysis that I think any person should be able to do free of, of restraints and pressure and bullying and societal, um, um, you know, a judgment, you should be able to just make a decision for what is best for you medically mm -hmm. and free of all that true risk benefit. So that was my whole thing. And the other part was if I got this and something happened to my pregnancy or something happened to my child, how would I not in my mind wonder yeah. and doubt? And I couldn't live with that, even if it was completely unrelated. I wouldn't know that. I would always have to wonder, was this because of what I did to keep my job? And then guess what? I just put my job before my family and I swore I would never do that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I put it before my faith. And, and then who am I? What kind of integrity do I have? So that was the whole thing. If you want to argue, it's say, fine, let's, let's go have that discussion. But this is, this is different. This is cost yeah. uh, benefit analysis for me as an individual and and what i am willing to live with because nobody else has to live with this decision but me and it mm -hmm. should be mine and it should be a free decision like you said truly informed consent yeah. um, not with my job you know hanging in I the balance know. yeah exactly yeah. uh so allison what are you doing you said you mentioned daily wire um are you still doing a lot of reporting is it beyond the sports world now because of what you've been exposed so this is what's so cool robert is um i had to take a year essentially it was a year off so uh -huh. i lost my position with espn in october of 2021 i never was allowed to work that football season college football college basketball were the worlds i really lived in um so i had to take about a year off i had my baby that july and shortly after having my beautiful little daughter i signed a contract with fox sports and i uh, worked for them last year and, and looked to continue to doing so going forward and they are a phenomenal company uh, they treat people so well. I feel like I like broke out of this fog that was in at ESPN where I thought this is what it is and you're drinking the Kool-Aid and everything's great. And this is just how it is working in sports. Um, no, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm at a really, really great company with Fox and I'm so thankful for the opportunity. And it, it, it makes you realize if ESPN just would have said, okay, we'll give you nine months and you can work remotely from home and you can host shows from home like you have in the past or in the studio. I mean, they were allowing unvaccinated people on campus, you know, in Bristol and LA. So we'll let you do those roles. We just can't send you out to games. If they would have just made that concession, mm -hmm. um, accommodation, if you will, for yeah. nine months. It, it. There's no vaccine issue at all in any capacity. I worked an NFL game last year. I did a full season of college football all across the country, and this was never an issue. Um, but they, you know, they threw away an employer of an employee of ten years over not being able to accommodate me for what, six, seven, eight, nine months, whatever mm -hmm. it was before things returned to normal on the road. And um, and now I, they should. Rest, uh, there should be restitution, in my opinion, and, and back yeah. for all of what they've done. They've done wrong. Uh, they violated your fundamental rights, medical autonomy, bodily autonomy, et cetera. And um, they're not the only company. We know that. They're, mm -hmm. You're not the only suit that's going on. And uh, I think there are many victories to come uh, for those that stood their ground. And we're, yeah. we're on the right here. Uh, so, But there is a genuine cultural difference at Fox News, you say, or, or Fox Sports at this point, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, I loved my time at ESPN. I had 10 years there. Um, it was the dream job. And I loved the people I worked with. Um, but there is a certain mentality that permeates that company that that's taken a turn, I would say, in recent years. And um, it used to be a really fun, really joyful, happy place to work. And 
-hmm. people are a little disgruntled now. And the way I describe it is ESPN um, treats you like you're lucky to be there and Fox treats you like they're lucky to have you. Nice. And and it's been a really refreshing change of pace. It's been a better work-life balance for me, honestly. You grind at ESPN. They expect you to do a ton of shows, a ton of games. Um, and you do it because you love it. Uh, but it's it's been a better situation overall. And I'm, I'm just thankful that things worked out because I felt like through all this, this was a little bit of a, a test of faith for me. Yeah. And um, and I, I said, okay, God, like I don't know the plan, but you do. And if I'm if I truly believe in you and I truly trust you, this is the decision I have to make and it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. And it has, and, and it's a testament to him and to, um, to, to his guiding light, if you will, because none of this happens if it isn't, isn't for the faith that I have that it, it would work out. And I'm, I'm thankful that it did. So did you have a vision growing up uh, as a young, young girl that you would be a sportscaster one day? I mean, I, where did that, it, you know, cause there wasn't a lot of, imagery in terms of examples of that early on when i grew up right. all the sportscasters were men or there's very little i mean it's like a barrier to almost have to break through where, where did this idea come from yeah it was interesting i definitely wanted to work in sports when i was in high school i decided i want to work around a football team and that came about through a few different experiences and one was like an nfl workshop for women that the detroit lions hosted and i thought how how awesome is this there's a space for women be in the front office or something like that um, and then i went to a lions football game and I saw Jennifer Hammond, who worked for uh, one of the local stations down on the sideline. It was a preseason game. And I realized, wait a minute, she gets to be like on the field in the action. And, and at this time, I'd watched, you know, Michelle Tafoya's and Melissa Starks and so forth. Um, and so I knew there, there was an opportunity potentially, but I think seeing it in person and realizing, hey, that could be really cool. Mm -hmm. So I, I went to school for communications and I thought maybe I would produce, ultimately went into the reporter role and I've never looked back since. It's been such a blessing. It, it's so true that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. Um, I've had some incredible experiences, covered some amazing events, met remarkable people, shared their stories, which is such a privilege and such an honor. So I'm thankful for the women that went before me that gave me um, an example of what working in this profession could look like and that it was possible. And it is true. Representation does matter. I think that is really important for, um, for people to see people having different roles and professions. And it's, it's been cool to see during my career, how women's roles have changed within sports. It used to be, you were only a sideline reporter, which I am and I love and I covet. And mm -hmm. I, I, I see the value in, but now you see them in play by play and analysts and hosting yeah. and, and all that. So it's, it's really remarkable and, and fun to see well, how even, much it's changed. Even my wife, who is a woman, by the way, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's seeing the evolution is like, wow, that's really strange to sometimes hear still, even today for our generation growing up and like, oh, wow, there's a woman play by play. It's different. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now I got to ask you this question in high school when you said, Hey, I want to go into sports stuff. Did, did anybody approach you and say, you know, we can transition you to be a, boy or man. I mean, you know, that's the, how absurd this is getting. No, right. I mean, and then that just, yes, like it is so absurd. This, uh, this upside down world we're living in where if you like things that are typically boy or yeah, or, yeah then now all of a sudden it's, well, maybe you should consider like, no, I just liked football a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's extraordinary. Your journey again, and, and your willingness to speak up and speak out on it is also something that's great. And I think helpful for others any of uh, you, you young ladies out there in the audience and you want to go into sports casting, it, it, you know, there are people like Allison that paved the way and people before her as well. I know 
still, uh, uh, you know, visualize what you're here to do. And I, and as mm -hmm. I said, that exercise at the beginning, like my wife had done to create the mate, right? The thinking from the end, you know, use the creative powers that God gave you, the imaginative powers to just imagine the life that you would like. Uh, and for a lot of years before that, you know, we were told, no, you just got to get by whatever it is and trudge through it. But I believe we're here to, to, to fulfill, you know, a joyful mission, whatever that is, mm -hmm. you know, you resonate with these things you enjoy doing. And there may be a way, despite others saying that's not possible. If you feel it in you, just, uh, like I said, find a way, find mm -hmm. a way. And I think what you've done is extraordinary. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And what you said is so true. Um, I think you have to have a, a belief first, and that's how anything gets achieved is truly believing and, and not letting people tell you otherwise, because that will happen a lot. But if you feel like this is your purpose and this is what's going to bring you joy, you know, go after the joy and the success yeah. will follow. Um, but you, you really have to, you have to believe in yourself before anyone else will. Amen. You do. And, and thank you for sharing that message as well. Uh, are, do you have any events coming up? Like, are you going out on the circuit speaking just in general? Because, you know, as a personality, that often happens. You get invited to things. Is there anything going on we should know about? No, not right now. This is kind of my off season. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a quiet time for me, which is is nice. It kind of resets and then it gears up in the fall and we get back out for, for college football. I just actually worked the uh, Westminster Kennel Club dog show in New York, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was a riot. So we did that. And then now we're in Wyoming and and uh, kind of taking a little break from all the hustle and bustle and all that. But it, it's nice just to have this time with two little ones because they grow so fast and they're a handful. <laughs> yeah. I remember learning about the, 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 that kennel dog show thing by uh, a comedy movie, Best in Show. Best in Show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, let me tell you something. First of all, it's very accurate. Second of all, don't bring it up if you meet anybody that participates in the dog shows. <laughs> That's like first rule of dog show is do not mention Best in Show. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to watch something very hilarious, but all too probably accurate, why it became so funny. Uh, that's a, that's a movie you can, uh, maybe appreciate, but as you point out, if you, if you are at that show, don't mention, no, no, <laughs> no, good. do not. Well, great to finally connect with you, Allison. I appreciate you being on board. Say hello to your husband and I'm appreciative of him coming on over to the light side, seeing the, seeing that light and yep. uh, you guys maintaining that commitment to your kids and protecting them as we should as parents. And, uh, you know, again, being willing to uh, speak out in defense of, of, of that freedom that we believe is, is our right by mm -hmm. our very creation, whether we're Americans or not. I know it's unique in America. Our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, a Canada doesn't even have what we have. And they're mm -hmm. suffering tremendously. And we have a lot of friends and listeners and viewers from Canada. And I do feel for them. But if America falls, where are you going to go? So right. we've got to stand up. That's why my friend Jonathan E. Mort is running for the U.S. Senate in Virginia. And I encourage everybody to look into him and support him as well. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for um, taking an interest in my story. And thank you for being a voice in this fight, because I, I know how difficult it is these days. Censorship is real. It is not an easy fight to wage. Um, but I appreciate every warrior out there that's doing their part to to try and turn the tide on this thing. So thank you, Robert. I really appreciate All right. it. Allison Williams, now a Fox Sports. Doing yeah. And having a great time as a mom. I hear the kids in the background. So. I know. Sorry. It's, it's no, nonstop. Right. It's a family show. So it's all good. We love the kids. So thanks for being on board. Anytime you're welcome here. Love to meet you one day out on the circuit somewhere. And uh, thanks so. for, uh, for doing all you do. You got it. Thank you, Robert.
Appreciate you very much. All right. Well, that was fun. And like I said, I'd look forward to that interview. I had a sense of her spirit just when she stood, stood her ground and uh, definitely comes right through. So if you ever get a chance to, to watch what Allison does in, in the sports world, uh, even if you're not into sports, you'll know you've got a, a person of integrity that supports your freedom as well. Uh, so thanks again for being on board. I know we got a couple of questions of the day that we got to get to as well. I think Super Don had one, a long one that he couldn't read because his glasses were gone yesterday. <laughs> so we'll get to that. Uh, you guys can submit questions to the show at the website, robertscottbell.com. You can submit them right live in the chat room. Uh, you can even leave us a, toll, a message on a toll-free number. We don't do that much, but 866-939-2355, 866-939-BELL. Um, one of the, the first question is very easy. I will get to that. And then there's a more complicated one. I think. Yeah. We're not even going to do the visual on those. Um, cause I've got, mm -hmm. I, 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 you know what, yeah. growing up listening to Rush Limbaugh, yeah. this is a thing I always wanted to do. Right? I always yeah. wanted to do the, you know, of course people can see it now. Yeah. He did it for effect, you know, on the radio. Mm -hmm. um so well, eventually he did a visual po uh, podcast of a show as he, well, he did yeah he had a tv show and it actually was pretty funny um yeah. but yeah you guys can always email me these questions too because i i, I don't know it's kind of an old school thing i, I just appreciate having the, yeah. the paper in the hand there i do i print i well wait i have a printed show clock every day of course and i used to print the notes out every day and and every, so yeah no i like paper still i do sorry sorry trees but they can a make little, it hemp good lord mm, come more. on now come if on now um all right so the first question was just where do i find the silver Allo protocol mm -hmm. uh yeah and we get that question every once in a while it's on the website but it's like you have to go like to the website and scroll oh, all the way down and stuff yeah. so i think what i'm going to do is i'm going to figure out how to put it up at the top like mm -hmm. in the menu bar and people can yeah. click on it or something you know well, as i've told you i want it to be a little yeah i know i want it to be that when they sign up for the newsletter what do we do for all the people that have already signed up for the newsletter though well for them they they've already accessed it by now i think oh okay. but it's more or less for anybody coming new that hey yeah if you sign up for the newsletter you're going to get the link directly sent to you that's my thought if we can arrange or program an email response like that yeah oh yeah it can be done it can be done but yeah, right now, scroll all the way down. You click on it. It's a PDF that comes up. It's a yeah. chapter from. I could move it up closer to the top. I guess that would make more sense. We've got so much stuff competing we with do. each other on that, that on that bar. It is a lot. A lot of stuff. So anyway, all right. So moving on to the email of the day, mm -hmm. uh, and and this is going to come from an anonymous person. Okay. All right, so uh, what happened was this person had emailed me and uh, was inquiring as to whether that email was the correct email, and this person said, uh, I guess they were skeptical as mm -hmm. to whether that was the right email for you because it was a Gmail email. Oh, right. I was like, I can't imagine Robert Scott Bell would use Gmail. But that was that was your email, right? It's my email. So I wrote back and I said, I just live dangerously. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, all right. So here it is. Uh, uh, this person writes back and says, Hi, Super Don. You do live dangerously if you use Gmail. Mm. All right. Uh, so here it is. I recently <laughs> discovered your show and you guys are now my top resource for truth and health. Oh, boy. I, I know. Responsibility, pressure, right? Responsibility. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you guys combine current events with uh, from evil agencies, <laughs> corruption in the systems, and health. Mm -hmm. We have such healing to be done on a mass scale. I was awake to the corruption, but COVID blew the top off of my head off in terms of awakening. Yeah. So what uh, homeopathic remedy do you give somebody when they blow the top of their head off? Is there something? 
or do they need to go to the doctor for that? Um, it, That's well, probably a crisis there. Yeah. It's not homeopathic owl. I remember you brought no? that. No. Okay. All right. I would say uh, gelsemium could help a little bit though. Gelsemium. Yeah. Okay. And a little bit of glue, I guess. To- yeah. If it's physically. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So, so my question is about my health. I am struggling so badly. I do not know where to start. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure how to pose my question. I have experienced a great deal of trauma starting in childhood. This tends to play out in your adult life if you do not heal, which it did for me. Mm. I won't bore you with the details, but suffice it to say, I've had my myriad of health issues, including life-threatening illness twice. Mm. I had cancer as a young woman in my 20s. Then in 2009, I had a bowel surgery, and they punctured my bowel, and I was septic, which almost killed me. Yeah. While those experiences are in the past, I believe the bowel surgery altered me significantly because they assaulted me with antibiotics and a host of other drugs. Mm-hmm. I've never quite been the same uh, in the same in terms, in terms of, of, of functionality. functionality. I that's what she meant. Yeah. I have complex PTSD, which wreaks havoc on the system. I know the stress of the times are impacting me greatly. Wow. Forgive me if I do not know how to pose a question. Mm. My complaints are extreme brain fog, compromised executive function, exhaustion so bad I feel I am walking against a tornado wind, mm-hmm. and of course, depression and anxiety accompany. I am going through a full body detox, parasite, gut, liver, and heavy metal, and I plan to reassess after these cleanses. Wow. I wonder if RSB might have any suggestions based on my symptoms and or where I might turn for help. I will not ever consult with a doctor again unless they are awake. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts or insights are greatly appreciated. <laughs> and she ends with, I hope that's not too much. I hope that's not too much. Bless you, know, you both. Yeah. Right. It's borderline. Uh, wow. It's a lot. It is a lot, but you know, the, all the things that I've been speaking on and lecturing on and writing on for decades now are all in, enmeshed in this one case. Now, uh, was it last month we had a, um, or was it two months ago? We had a, a, a webinar on cardiomiracle, the nitric oxide and its impact on PTSD. So I, I'll bring that up right away. And of course, blood flow is critical for the, you know, delivery of nutrition, much less oxygen and its uptake of, you know, and detoxification. So I would say that the cardio miracle would be of great benefit as a baseline, but because of the damage to the gut, we already just, the, the previous question asked about how do you heal the gut? And it's the, the silver aloe gut recovery protocol. That chapter is available from unlock the power to heal for free on the website. You can read the reasons why it's so extraordinary and so accelerating in recovery. Uh, but when we talk about a lack of energy and brain fog and all the, these functions, remember we talk about, uh, or I talk about this, uh, mitochondrial production of ATP, adenosine triphosphate. In order to take the ADP, convert it to the ATP, what do you need? Copper, copper, magnesium. So we see a great deficiency in copper and in, in, in not many people are eating copper rich foods like liver, for instance, organ meats. And, and, you know, I, I eat bee pollen every day, but I also take the sovereign copper every day because that will also provide energy. That's a lot of people describe, oh man, energy's coming back. The brain fog's going away. Now brain fog can also be a result of overgrowth of uh, yeast, you know, the, the, like if you've been on a lot of antibiotics, you have opportunistics like candida. That also, you know, man, manages to uh, symptom, well, a symptom of brain fog is pretty common there. And copper is also antifungal, as is silver in that case. But um, so it's a, it's a matter of addressing and assessing, hey, what is out of balance in terms of growth? Can we tamp that down without suppression and poison, which we can through silver and copper and other things? And then 
facilitating the regeneration of the body that involves again, remineralizing the system and the basics that we'll always come back to will apply times 10, so to speak, for uh, what our anonymous listener and, and questioner here is. Um, if there's a way to reach that person, super Don, sometimes I'm inclined to, you know, kind of simplify it through talking to them. Yeah. And, and this person actually wondered if that was an option. So I yeah. do, I do have, I have the email address, but I, yeah. I have a hunch. Yeah. I have a hunch this person is, is listening to us. Okay. So I would say, uh, write me back, shoot me another email with a phone number yeah. that Robert can, can I, give you a call. I don't have a lot of extra time. In fact, I was getting, uh, some dirty looks, not dirty looks, but you know, the, the looks of like, you're, you're, you're a little too busy. I need some time from you. I'm like, I know it's just been crazy. All, all the demands on time, but, um, it's a healing ministry. This is, this is my healing ministry. It's non-denominational. It's not about what religion you are or aren't. In fact, in, in the bonus round, we might talk about that. There's a story about young people leaving the religion or people switching them, switching you know, I'm talking about that. That's and, right. And by the way, preview sneak preview for Sunday's, uh, conversation. Mark Tinsley, the other half of Ula Tinsley, the husband, the 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 preacher, preacher and the Polish girl, that podcast on the Robert Scott Bell Podcast Network. Um, Mark Tinsley, we have a great conversation on uh, faith. Well, it's not just the podcast. Oh, you mean the 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 preacher and the Polish girl? Yeah, the gotcha. Polish yeah. Girl, but this will be on Sunday, right? But yeah, my interviews, my Sunday conversations uh, this Sunday is that. Also, uh, just a heads up tomorrow, Super Don's going to pick an encore best of the Robert Scott Bell show because he's traveling with his family to, to visit some family. And I am going to be recording with G. Edward Griffin uh, about the upcoming Red Pill Expo and other things, including we'll talk about the Folium PX that he utilizes and he's doing great on, just like my mom at 89. FoliumPX.com, uh, RSB10 for the discount. Uh, the Folium products are amazing. As far as supercharged antioxidant, food-based, or they're herb-based, plant-based, and they're amazing what they're doing. And I'd urge you to, uh, to consider putting that into your practice and finding out if you've hit a plateau, you might be able to break through it with the Folium products. So check it out, foliumpx.com. So that's coming up. I don't know when we'll air that. We've got to talk about that too. Mm -hmm. And uh, gosh, I Let's think we're, go. over time. we're way past break here. All right, break time. We'll be back with the bonus round for those of you who want to hang out with us in about 30 to 60 seconds from now. 60 seconds from now. One minute. Power to Heal is yours. Okay, I see a message from Ula. He, mm. he fairly enjoyed your organic conversation. Fairly? I mean, that doesn't sound very enthusiastic, does it? I fairly, wow. I fairly enjoyed it. I met mm. Ula doing Polish English trying to figure so out. So how did you like the interview? I've had better. I feel it's all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, really? Is that what it was? Oh, very. Oh, very. Oh, I see. Okay. He's, he's trying to salvage it. <laughs> yeah, I figured that was Ula doing Ula. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you were almost offended there. Huh? Yeah, no, no. I was teasing, of course. Um, because and, and we talked about Ula in it. And, and in fact, we did talk about you, Ula, at the, toward the end, I think. And, uh, and it was all good though. It was like, it was know, fair. Yeah. I mean, it was fairly good. It was fairly what, good. What you guys said about Ula, it was fairly good. Fairly yeah. Good. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking text doesn't understand her Polish English. Yes, I get that. Sometimes it doesn't understand my English English or American English too. So, uh, that's true. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. I love having these organic, as we call them, heart to heart type conversations about faith and freedom and all of the intersections and uh, given a deeper understanding for those that are people of faith, of course, 
you know, I, I'm not someone who, who encourages beating people over the head with your faith, right? Super Don, have I done that to you over the years, beating you up over my faith? It's no, it's been quite the opposite. Yeah. I, I just, really, I mean, I, it wasn't until just recently I learned a little bit more about what your faith is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just, it just never came up in I, conversation. I'm, I'm somewhat reluctant to talk about it because I look, I have such a sensitivity because I've been the recipient of those kind of beatings in my life from mm-hmm. other that I just maybe defer. I'm very sensitive about not, I, I, I hate to use the word offend, but it's not what I really mean. It's just that I, I, I respect people's beliefs as long as they're not violating the others, other yeah. other people, you know, and don't and, get in my face about it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 but I love people who do profess their faith when they live their faith. Like, oh, absolutely. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, it's and, like the, like I've said before, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I totally, I, I envy people. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually that's really, that's something that's developed over time. It used to be, I was very jaded. Sure. <laughs> I, I was just like, I was just yeah. like, oh yeah, you want to, you want to debate about religion? No, I'll sit here. I'll crush you, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, and then it was kind of like, okay, what are you doing? You know, this yeah. was back in, in that day that I've talked mm-hmm. about before. Yeah. Um, but that was just one thing that I just, for whatever reason, I was just very negative because yeah, I'd had, I'd had some negative experiences and yeah. it was just like, you know, I was ready to like punch somebody just because they wouldn't get out of my face. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I envy people that, that live that life. I do because yeah. they have this, this thing, you know, and it's just like, where does that come from? You know, where it's just That's like, horrible. everything's good. Yeah. Got nothing to worry about. All's well, you know, and it's just like, Mm-hmm. How? What? What? Where? What? What pill do you take for that one? You know, I mean, it's like. So anyway, uh, yeah, you know, some of the nicest people in the world you could ever yeah. meet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's people who are living. I just don't place. understand them, but I, you know, they're cool. I like them. I really appreciate yeah, you're not them. Angry they're, at them? No. no. Again, there are a lot of people that are because of experiences they've had, and I, I, there have been times I have been because of my experiences. And so I, I try to ask people in those situations that are still angry to step back and try to look at each individual who claims to have or professes faith and observe them and see how they treat other people. Because not everybody, you know, will have, will be the kind of people that, that treated you, you know, in a way that made you angry, like that I had. And so I've had to, you know, overcome it by setting back and going, okay, what is this person really about? Not lump them into my other experiences from the past. And that's why I have a deep love and appreciation for those that have that faith and love and, and they, they genuinely live it and they try to be a living example of it rather than, again, being a, you know, a torturous, uh, uh, enthusiastic, beat you over the head until you believe what I believe. And that, that's why I'm very sensitive to that, why I do uh, tend to come off maybe overly concerned about, you know, sharing beliefs, if you will. But I've, I've been having a great time with these conversations, I have to say. Yeah. And, I, and I know some of you are enjoying them anyway. And, uh, good. Yeah. Now you just, now, now people just have to go watch it. Yeah. Ula's, uh, mom and sister are coming from Polish, Poland, and they don't, I don't know if they speak much English. So I, I'd love to, uh, have them, uh, on the show clearly and do a whole show in Polish. Because, oh, I see. Yeah. I, I see. Watch how they so, so that you can, you can make fun of people that speak Polish and don't yeah. understand English. Oh, you can't say dupa on the air uh, there. There's just no, you can't do that. Look, don't look that up. How many words in Polish do you know? That was the only one I know. Pierogi? Well, that's, I guess if it's Polish. Is that a Polish? I'm assuming that's a Polish word. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So uh, on the religion subject real quick here, 
uh, rising number of Americans are switching religions. Switching yeah. religions. So this doesn't mean they're stopping it altogether, but um, the the reasons people gave, and the, the article's up on on you know Super Don showing it, reasons people gave for changing their religious affiliations. Um, stop believing in the religion's teachings. That was 56%. It's a big, uh, big chunk. Yeah. Negative religious teachings about or treatment of LGBTQ plus people, 30%. Okay. Mm. So, um, you know, look, we, we've spoken out about how, uh, some of the ridiculousness of that LGBTQ, you know, thing, but it's not because we have any ill will towards someone who's a lesbian, who's gay, who's bi, it's not that. It's about encroaching on our freedoms and our, you know, belief systems or rights. And uh, we're not in favor of encroaching on anybody's freedom, but I am of the opinion and belief that just because you're one of those letters that you don't get special rights any more than I want special rights for not being one of those letters. In other words, rights come from God, whatever you perceive and believe that to be or not be. And it's not, your rights don't exist because you're a member of a group. That's my issue. Does that make sense? Right. It totally makes sense. Yeah. That, you know, the problem that you run into is that there are certain denominations mm-hmm. that uh, have have zero uh, tolerance yeah. in that area. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very black and white. You yeah. know, I'm sorry. You know, that's that's no can do. You are uh, you get to punch your ticket and yeah. and and head down to the basement uh, because you are one of those letters. So that, that kind of intolerance apparently is affecting a lot of people and causing them to want to leave yep. certain yep. religious teachings. Now, I think a lot of it's misunderstood in that many times you'll find that there is a genuine compassion and love that doesn't stop because of somebody's in these letters among right. certain religious communities. And, but they're thought of just because they don't believe in it being the right way to live because it's a religious belief doesn't mean they hate you. And it's hard for some to distinguish that. That's some people can't. Right. Yeah. Some people can't make that leap. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 29% said they left because their family was never that religious growing up or changed their religion, whatever. Uh, scandals involving leaders in the former religion. Yeah. How many scandals have we heard about in various, you know, religious? Mm-hmm. Uh, 27% left or changed because of that. A uh, traumatic personal event, which might be related to scandals or not. I don't know. 18%. And then the church or congregation became too political. Now, that's an interesting one. Only 17% changed because of that. And, and, you know, think about um, what we see now of a lot of the religious right movement, you know, talking about being for Trump or Republicans and, you know, saying, how can you be a Democrat if you're a Christian, for instance? <laughs> Dude, I, I totally understand that. I mean, the the, um, the one that, that comes to mind for me was Harry Reid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Reid, I was shocked to find out that he was uh, LDS. Mm-hmm. Because I was I was raised LDS, yeah, um, and it did, I I just I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around some of the things that he said and he supported, uh, and and then you know I I just I couldn't I couldn't it didn't make yeah. any sense to me. It, it's the same thing that we were you ran into with uh, like Nancy Pelosi being a Catholic, yeah. and actually when you read the details of this uh, this this survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Catholic uh, religion, the Catholic Church, yeah, was the number one on the list of of people leaving. Mm-hmm. It was like this huge number of people. That was the the one religion that m- most of the people had uh, switched from. Yeah, 
Uh, and if you're familiar with the Catholic religion, and, and no offense to Catholics, I mean, but it's just it is it's very cut and dry. You know, it's like this is this is okay, this is not. You know, this is a sin. You go to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, very dogmatic. Yeah. And um, so, I, I mean, I, I guess. I, I could see how maybe perhaps that would be the case, especially when you're talking about a younger generation, mm-hmm. um, which apparently also in the statistics here, it was the younger ch- people that were doing the most of the switching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw, a, a, it was a discussion, sort of debate, but uh, Candace Owens, you know, Candace Owens, I still would want to interview her on this show. I, I think she's pretty spectacular in how she used the world and communicates. And she's written extensively and wrote and spoken out on the, you know, the vaccine issue since she had, was injured by the HPV shot. Um, but she had her husband on who's a devout Catholic and another woman on who's I think Protestant. Right. And they were debating scriptural stuff and it wasn't animosity. It was, it was respectful and it was interesting. I found it interesting. Now, you know, whether you believe any or all of those things is irrelevant to the fact that I enjoyed watching and Engage, you know, people engaged in a, a peaceful, civil discussion about differences in beliefs and even arguing mm-hmm. their faith. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but oftentimes people are so easily offended by different views that uh, they can't, you know, they don't want to be. Well, and there are, there are some, there are some religions out there that um, that's just, that's what they believe. That's what people are taught. You know, is mm-hmm. that you're, you're, we're right and everybody's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you either do it this way or you're you're out of the club yeah. you know yeah exactly and so. yeah candace married a brit i think he was from england he had an english accent uh, but it's also a catholic so personally i mean as far as people switching religions i don't know that that's a bad thing you know i mean i look at that and i go you know look it wasn't obviously for you mm-hmm. you know why stay in a and in a church mm-hmm. if you don't if it if it's doesn't not doesn't speak to you it. you know why why go through the motions Either A, just go, you know what, this isn't for me, and and just do whatever you're going to do, or B, uh, find something that that does make sense to you. Uh, yeah, you know. When I talk to folks about you know my faith or my religion or whatever belief I have, it I'll always say it this way: you know, if you're happy where you are and it resonates with you, you're uplifted by it. Absolutely, stay there and and make do the best, the greatest things you can there. If, however, you're feeling uncomfortable about some something that doesn't resonate with you. You know, who am I to say whether you, you have to stay there because of, you know, whatever. There are a lot of things, family obligations and other things. But, um, you know, following your bliss, what is that? What is the path that speaks to you? And I believe, this is my belief, so I mean, you can disagree with me, that God can reach us in a myriad of different ways. And it's humans that limit the way God can reach us, not God. Uh, again, some people may be offended by that because scriptural differences in, in what's written, for instance. And that's okay. But my perception is that God's capable of doing much more than the human mind can conceive of. And so our beliefs are the limiting factors often. They can be freeing factors too, but they can also be limiting factors in that. How do we need to be reached? How are you reached? How was I reached? Different from somebody else? Yeah. Uh, And uh, man, would I say I'm a man of faith? I'm a man of God. I'd like to believe so. I try to live that way. And, you know, my, my life is dedicated as a, you know, a passionate servant something that's far greater than me i don't do this for ego gratification although i can acknowledge i have an ego and and i can you know i can look and say how boy i could fall down if i if i lead with my ego how that could easily i could be deceived into any number of things and 
Try to come back to the divine, that relationship, to keep yourself a little bit humble in the midst of things that you're even good at or great at. Um, but, you know, it's easy to be deceived. We, we, as long as we're in a human body, there's the potential that we can fall down and really, let's say, make a poor decision. <laughs> Some would call it sin or whatever. Um, but I, I do, again, appreciate the, the myriad of faiths on this planet. I think they're there to meet the consciousness of those that are suited to it. And we each serve a different consciousness or maybe multiple consciousnesses as we go out into the world and try to appeal. And again, that, that was some of the beautiful conversation I had with Mark about that too. You know, as a Christian pastor as he is, you know, how, how does he perceive and view people that have different beliefs? And it was a very loving, you know, loving responses. I, again, I, I just so enjoy these Sunday conversations, Super Don. Thanks for, if it was your thing or Kevin's thing, I don't know, but I'm enjoying them. It was my thing. Good, good, good on you, mate. Good job. It just seemed to make sense. You know, I mean, like everything else, this show has evolved mm -hmm. uh, over time. And yeah. um, it it's a topic that people mm -hmm. people like to, to hear about and talk about and discuss yeah. amongst themselves in our yeah. fan, in our, our, uh, our community. Mm -hmm. And so it just seemed to make sense. So. Well, and, and again, that when we get into organized religion, that's a distinction, you know, in terms of we, the difference between spirituality and religiosity, for instance. And you acknowledge that. I do, too. Uh, I'm not, you know, I think that the, the social construct, the needs of having a church, a synagogue, temple, mosque, whatever, I mean, it serves a great thing in a community often, uh, whether you're a part of an official uh, 501c3, organized religion or not, that, you know, that we have a need for socialization, finding people who have who share similar beliefs and appreciate similar things and, and you know, but in choice and freedom. Um, let's see. Ula's asking when and where is Dr. Batar's event? Yeah. Advancedmedicineconference.com, St. Louis, Missouri. Is it next weekend? Not this weekend, but next weekend already It's the 27th through the 29th. So a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday in St. Louis, Missouri, use the code RSB. If you can make it, uh, there's a special deal. Dr. Batar said, if you go back and you purchase access to all the years of it, you can apply even a bigger discount for this year's, whether you come in to see us in person or, or, or online. Uh, RSB is the discount code. Uh, so that's coming up. And right the following weekend will be uh, Boise, Idaho. So we've got two back-to-back -back coming up soon. And I've, yeah, I'm just like a little bit overwhelmed. This is my wife with my daughter's graduation impending coming up. Mom's coming to visit. We're very excited to see her. And uh, all these events that are coming up on top of the normal work stuff I have to do, I don't even know. <laughs> kind of dizzying oh yeah you got the uh the wedding I got the oh, announcement the wedding. in the mail today it's called a graduation yeah it looks like yes it. it's a graduate yeah and on the back is that thing that we talked about on the show the other day yeah yeah the five rules of improv yeah. that was fun and she wrote a poem too i didn't get a chance to include that yet but uh maybe i'll do that but yeah Ula, it's gonna be a great great uh, weekend bruce lifton is back i'm trying to get him on the show too soon but uh I think there's an interview with uh, Batar and Bruce that they just put up. So I was just watching a little bit of it earlier today. Oh, let's see. What else we got? Um, the Family Union, of course, in July 14th through 16th, Leslie's Place. I hope that, let's see, four hours from Leslie to be there? Wow. Yeah, I know you got a lot of work to get the, 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 the homestead ready, Leslie. And probably a lot of work baking multiple pies to keep me happy. <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's what this whole thing is about the whole thing is about she said it's all about I'm you man that's right this is where the ego comes into play right <laughs> no it's pie it's pie oh my gosh 
Uh, all right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. How about the uh, the webinar coming up on the 30th? Oh, yeah. Hormones and health. How does hormonal balance influence mental health? Uh, let's see. Let's talk about mental health. Free webinar. Register. It's May 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, that's 5 p.m. Pacific. And that's the one I'm going to be partaking in, yes? Correct. You'll be one, You'll be hosting that. I don't know who else with will be with you, right? but uh, it'll be you and either John Hewlett or Stan Graham or Lisa Hill. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Leslie, I'm trying to think of a way I can get Ari uh, to come out with me and you know, meet the girls and have a great weekend uh, for the family union there. Um, I, I'm just not clear on what she's doing, what her plans are. It's coming up so fast, the graduation, what happens next, and when she will start potentially the work that she's been offered and things like that. So uh, working on that. She's also in, in the play Cries of Freedom that's over the July 4th holiday. They do, I think, three days of performances, multiple performances, very uplifting historical uh, journey toward, to freedom. And she's playing this year. She got one of the key parts, Joan of Arc. And wow. uh, so it's, it's a musical. So she's that's cool. Music, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, we're still working on all of those trips and things. It's just, it feels so strange. Super D not like the, yeah, and it's going to, yeah. it's going to, and we went through this with, with numerous, mm -hmm. with more than one, yeah. but yeah, I mean, coming up here pretty soon, um, the, the crazy schedule of having kids in school is going to be, yeah. Done. Done. Yeah. And it's just going to completely, you're going to have to kind of just readjust to. Uh... I feel very weird at the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's cool, though. Feeling. It's cool, though. It's a strange thing. I remember those days. Wow. Kids growing up, it's something else. Hmm. Just wait until you've got kids who are parents and oh have kids. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, hmm. Life. So anyway, yeah. it's a good show today. Yeah. What do you think of Allison? She's cool. She's cool. She's yet yeah. another uh, another person. I guess you would call her a celebrity. Um, you know, just it's it's neat to see you know see people like that that uh, you know are, are speaking up and speaking out and uh, people notice that. Yeah. People people pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like if these people, like a John Stockton or a Ken Rutgers or Allison, uh, you right. know, the, yeah. yeah, you know, the, when these people, people go, oh, okay. Yeah. And she was right. You know, there was it, one of the things I thought that was interesting during the, the, the COVID nutso mm -hmm. period of time that um, the sports figures in particular seemed to get hammered more than, than, than anyone. I, yeah. I mean, some celebrities, some celebrities really got 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 nailed. It just kind of yeah. depend on on depended on how they they handle the PR on that situation. But the the sports figures, for some reason, they really got nailed hard. Why do you and think that was? I have I don't know. Why. I think it's because of their influence on the culture is so powerful. Sports. On the younger, yeah, especially, yeah. especially the younger people. They didn't want to lose the young people. That was yeah, yeah. Maybe that was they they were doing potentially more damage to the narrative than, than others. Yeah. They, it's influence, you know, if they, yeah. you know, if LeBron, but then you had people like Aaron Rodgers, it was just like, yeah, screw you, you know, 
mm-hmm. who is now going to play for the Jets. I don't know what, what to think about that. Um, well, it's kind of following the footsteps of Brett Favre. That's what he did, didn't he? I guess. I guess. Game. It'll be interesting to see. Did you see the other guy that they drafted to play who's basically going to be his his guy? No. Who's that? Oh, well, I got to see what the guy's name is. But apparently he's like some six-foot-four receiver. Two, uh, I think so. Yeah, where he's just like this, this, this super tall guy mm-hmm. um, that they they drafted. That it, you normally don't see guys that tall playing football. Wow. Um, but in any case, Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. All right. Well, that's the, I'm ready uh, for football. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, <think laughs> I know we're early, but they have uh, USFL going on. Yeah, I can't get into USFL. I just can't. It's just like, yo, hey, it's the mm-hmm. the Michigan Tornadoes or the whatever, the Alligators or whatever. It's like, no. Bah humbug. Nah, I just can't. I don't know why. I just, I've tried. I tried. I tried the USFL. I tried the XFL. You remember the XFL? Yeah. And they tried doing that. And actually, that's coming back. Okay. Um, I think in a year or two, they're coming mm-hmm. back with that. Yeah. Um. I want to say Dwayne the Rock Johnson is like uh, a part of that, or he owns it, or XFL. something. Yeah, yeah. I would be surprised. But um, yeah, I just couldn't couldn't get into it. Did you see this book? I knew about it for some reason, and then it just popped up. It was like, oh yeah, uh, it's like a children's book written by Shannon Croner, and it's called "I'm Unvaccinated and That's Okay." Yes, in fact, I think I dropped a link in that for for you and Kevin like over yeah. the weekend or something like that because mm-hmm. I want to get her on. She it just I think it just went out for pre-order yeah and it ended up as the number one yeah, was like new, new release on amazon new release yeah it's like book about being shot to the top of the list and okay yeah have so, we, we have, we've had her on before haven't we we have yeah yeah we have. but yeah we'll get her on again i love it i love it when people do that they put out you know a book and it's just like you got all these whiny people Mm-hmm. You know, these whiny pro-vaccine people like, eh, people are buying these anti-vaccine, but, you know, Peter Hotez is especially oh, known for God. that. Yeah. Uh, because his book sucked and nobody wanted to buy it, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, this anti-science aggression on Amazon. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, I think it would be cool to get her on. That looks like a good book. Yeah. I love to celebrate people's successes like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what else we got going on then? Um, now, when I record with G. Edward Griffin tomorrow, um, how do you, can you make it available? Because I'm not sure when that when I air that. Um, but can you make it available for our patron supporters first? Like just yeah, I, I can. Uh, yeah, I'll um, I'll do that when I get back. Because you're just you're going out what Friday to Sunday? Leaving Friday, yeah, coming back Sunday afternoon before okay. dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So I'll probably I'll probably get it put because I'll have to catch up on some things on Sunday. So I'll I'll probably get it up on Patreon on Monday. All right. So once again, y'all be 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 part of the patron support community, the Robert Scott Bell Show. You get things way in advance in some cases, and you have access to a lot more than that. And we have our Zoom AMAs every month. This month, once again, it's a Monday evening, Tuesday. That no Monday. I say Monday, and then I say Tuesday, twenty second of May, and that'll be. Uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, for our next day, Zoom AMA. So yep. I look forward to seeing y'all there. All what right. else? I think, will mom be in town already then? 
graduation next week. I think it is. Yeah. Well, I think mom's coming in Monday. 24th. So we'll probably, if, if it's timed right, she'll be in, a, in, in studio for the AMA. That'll be fun. All right. So, well, this is our Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on court tomorrow and um, Mark Tinsley on Sunday. Yep. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us this week. Yeah. Thank y'all for being here. Um, again, tomorrow will be an encore. You you never know what Super going to pick. You might have missed it. So don't just dismiss it. Uh, I'll be interviewing G. Edward Griffin. Again, Mark Tinsley on Sunday. And we'll be back uh, uh, with another show on Monday next week. It'll be kind of cool, crazy week heading into the Advanced Medicine Conference. So thank you for being here and uh, sharing the show. All right, guys. Have a good day. We'll see you next week.